and we're back. You're listening to the Grizz Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. I'm Brent. I'm Gabby. I'm Emmy. And we're the Grizz Fan Podcast. <laughs> little uh, little change in venue here, thanks to the Missoula weather conditions today. Thank you guys for being so kind to deliver more snow-ready vehicles to my house instead of, you know, ba- vice versa. Basically what this is, is Luke and I are more of Montanans than Brent. <laughs> we'll talk about this we're, later. So we're at Brent's house, if yeah. you couldn't pick yeah. up the yeah. context clues. <laughs> so, and these were Brent's daughters. Yeah, my girls were patiently waiting, so uh, apologies to James, but uh, we'll have him next week, right? Hey, who are your guys' favorite Grizz football players? JR and Justin. Wait, who are JR and Justin? Yeah. Uh, they're former Grizz players. They um, used to be on the team, but now they're our friends. Oh, are we talking about J.R. Waller? Yeah, and Justin Green. Oh, uh, those are good picks. Yeah. So both J.R. and Justin were running backs. They carried the, the ball. Oh. They were handed off the ball most likely, more often than not, and they actually played about the same time. Who do you think was the better running back? Um, I don't know. Uh, Gabby, who do you think was the better one? JR because they have a workout thing in their house. JR because they work out better. So we'll have to let JR know that Gabby <laughs> says JR was the better running back. Wow. Just uh, don't look at the stat books. All right. Thanks, girls. <laughs> Good night, ladies. <laughs> All right. That was fun. There goes the dishwasher. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> let me put my mic back here. There we go. So, so it's always fun rolling up. <laughs> To the podcast after a Grizz win? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I I was told we were more interesting after a loss last week. I I I saw the post on Very therapeutic. Much like our pod after the cat uh, loss last year. Um, Much more therapeutic. Well, I'm glad that, like, the therapy is the explanation and not just my absence. Uh, you guys had some guests last week, and I could barely bring myself to listen. We're just doing some sound stuff. Yeah, it was good. It was good to have Brad and Kyle on. You know, there's at least one person on Egris who thinks we should replace you with Brad and Kyle. Um, but I think that they think it's a running joke because you made fun of Egris five weeks ago. Listen, if there's only one person that thinks I should be replaced, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, let's get into the game a little bit. Yeah. We had a new look at quarterback. We did. You know, Cam Humphrey. Um, I saw some Eastern fans were expecting Dalton to trot out there, although we kind of joked about it too. But uh, Cam Humphrey out there, QB. And, I mean, in the whole picture, the, the big, big picture of things, right, he he didn't make any mistakes. He was kind of more the game manager than the, than the, the captain, the leader on the field. He didn't do much to hurt the offense, and I I expected a little more out of him through the air from what we saw of him in practice. But it was also a I think it was kind of a tough day to be slinging the ball around. Although Eric Berrier had some great passes early, not as much late. But um, yeah, I, I liked uh, Cam did not hurt the team, and I think he made some great decisions of when to run. And I mean, you I. I it's it's hard to really criticize his performance. The flavor of his performance seemed, I think, more uh, dictated by 
the game plan going in. It was very clear Bobby wanted to manage this game, win the time of possession battle, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, control the ball, and really limit Eastern Eastern's possessions. Uh, and, and it couldn't have went better in, in that regard. Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I will say, I was texting you guys a little bit. I will say that I uh, I felt we were a little too conservative in the first half, to be perfectly honest with you. And I get, like, this is, and this is the whole argument about Bobby Ball sometimes. And I'm not even going to go so far as to say this was Bobby Ball and it's like, we're back mode. This was just <laughs> a game plan that as the game went on, it became obvious that they were wearing him down and that they'd gotten him to, to quit a little bit. Yeah. Um, but if they went in with that being their pure game plan, they were really banking on the defense a lot more than I think was smart to do, <laughs> yeah. given what had just happened the week before. I mean, I think the defense rose to the occasion, but we can sit here all we want and say he had them right where we want them at halftime now, but Eastern could have just as easily had 28 points. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's a guess, in, or you know, not a guess, but a plan and adjust type of thing where early on – Eastern wasn't doing too much against us. And Bobby was like, we can stick to this game plan because we're crushing this time of possession. Whereas if Eastern puts up a bunch of points early, they're going to have to you know, sort of run on all cylinders and air it out more than, yep. than they ended up having to do. Is that possible? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I'd say so, yeah. I think, I mean, you looked at like Eastern's time of possession in the first quarter was three minutes and eight seconds. We had it for 11 minutes, 52 seconds, but we only got three points out of it. What I was going to say, what was the score at the end of the first quarter? It was three to zero. Like, (laughs) that's the one risk because it's like, you know, given what we've seen from the defense, and and they rose to the occasion this this last week, but that's a tough, that's a tough one in my mind. I mean, it worked out, more power to them. I'm not a football coach. I loved it in the second half, worked out well, but uh, made me nervous in the first half. It's um, <clears throat> through the game that that first half because well and Eastern showed it so we you know we go up three zero we get a chance to make it six to zero but we we fail on a fourth down conversion which I mean wasn't the greatest pass through it to a, a what a freshman tight who was it who was it was uh, Jacob Ewell or El- 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 Joey El- Joey El- 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 yeah. yeah and so <clears throat> tough ball it was like lows I think below his knees um, you could argue bad throw but in a spot where it maybe should have kind of been caught. I mean, player was open. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad decision to throw it to him. It was not no, and it was, I mean, but, it may have yeah. been a little bit low, but he could have caught it. I yeah. watched replay. He could have caught it. And yeah. actually, I mean, that kind of segues into, I was actually disappointed with the receivers as a whole in the first half. We had four mm. or five drops and it's like, when you have a backup QB in making their first start, I mean, you got to catch everything. You got to catch the ball, you know? And it was just like, you know, that tight end had it. Um, second week in a row, Kim's probably dropped a touchdown mm-hmm. um, on, a play, on a play that we didn't go score. Yeah, maybe the Eastern guy got in there. But, you know, again, on replay, like, he could have caught it. Ball could have been a step in front of him, and it would have been an easy touchdown. But, again, you know, you're working on timing with your receivers. Kim had a guy in his face on that play, too. Mm-hmm. So I thought to, it was to get it there at all to only miss by you know maybe six inches to a foot yeah not not horrible but um yeah i think you're right too we, we definitely dropped the ball early and you know i mean that is what it is and and cam you know not to, not to <laughs> keep him out of it i mean he he 
blew one past. Uh, it was either Osmo or uh, Knight. Yeah. That would have been another first down. Yep. It seems like on on third and fourth downs we struggled in the first half. On on we we could have converted a bunch of them and we didn't. I yeah. really like that action that they were they tried to run a few times with the. Uh, the motion to the what was the right side of the field, and they mm-hmm. leaked the, run, the running back out the left. Yeah, yeah, they did that all day almost. It felt like the, so they go to the weak side of the, the of the line, mm-hmm. kind of a continually. So um, I don't know. Yeah, they they saw something on film because they did that the whole game. It felt like well, so it, it kept it being worked. available <laughs> yeah. and open, and we just more you know. Didn't hit it all the time. So how many times in the you know year and a half that that Hauk and Rosie and Pease and these guys have been back, have we seen this where they march out and do something we've never seen before? This year it's been every single game, right? Outside of maybe the sack game, mm-hmm. but the sack game opened with uh, uh, like a little pop pass to Jerry. I don't think that we'd seen before. We'd seen jet sweep and some mm-hmm. type things, but it seems like every game. But this one it was like pronounced it yeah. felt like to me and using the tight ends that way i mean it just it it certainly seems like especially compared to where we used to be where it was just like we ran these same four formations over and over and over and over and over and over and over again forever and ever um <laughs> it just seems like such a change right i thought you were gonna go to that marshawn lynch clip where he's talking about Smacking guys in the face over and over and over and over and over. Oh, not quiet. I think think we have some options right now with the the experience of Dalton Sneed and the experience of our receiving core to be a little creative. Yeah. Um, What I did not anticipate this game... Was how damn well we were going to run the ball. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because what did we talk about? Well, I guess you weren't here last week, but we talked about Eastern's biggest weakness on defense is their secondary. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised because, you know, in retrospect, I mean, like backup quarterback, Bobby Howe coach team. But I also think that maybe it was like a, hey, I think we can do this. And after what happened last week, that old line needs to believe that they're good. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think it was kind of funny. Um, <clears throat> in my in my write-up, I talked about that the O-line and Knight need to have their best game. And, and at the tailgates, someone caught me and they said, what do we have to do to win? And I said, I think the biggest thing is Knight needs to have his best game as a Grizz. And he did. And it was, I mean, it was just something with. Well, hold on a second. Based on what measure? I don't know. I mean, touchdowns. Okay, so, Touch, no, well, did he have know. four touchdowns? Couple. Okay, so I'm just giving you a hard time. Okay, he fantasy, definitely was an awesome game. Hey, fantasy football. He averaged <laughs> five yards of rush. <laughs> like significance. I know you are, but like in terms of just the significance of his contribution. Um, but but like this is the thing, and I know we got a lot to talk about with this game. But how much ball security is a religion in Grizz football? Knight puts it on the turf. He was. Done for the day. I mean, he didn't even get to go in and help the team. Um, <laughs> he didn't even kneal down. They didn't yeah. even let him sing the song at the end. <laughs> I don't <laughs> no, know if that's true. He sent him up the tunnel. <laughs> go. Get your ass up the tunnel. But, I mean, I just – you just – you really – you love to see just um, – I mean, I I don't – I I felt – I liked a lot of what I've seen in night. And I remember spring ball. I was like, yeah, this kid's fast. 
but I'm I was a little concerned about his ball security. And then fall camp, it just it didn't really feel like he was really coming right, Mike. Like we watched a lot of fall camp. He he made some plays, but it wasn't just like I didn't see this type of guy. It wasn't clear cut. I mean, they started yeah. Eastwood yeah. In the first game. Yeah, and then Mike's number two was going to be Turner. Yeah, but that was more kind of going into fall camp and being like, I think that, I guess the thought on that, which is is maybe where we can say we should have seen Knight coming a little bit more, is I felt like Eastwood wasn't going to end the season as our main ball mm-hmm. carrier. Mm-hmm. And I did think it'd be Turner. And I still think that if we were running a true Bobby Houck grounded pound, Drew Turner would be getting more carry. <laughs> well, but but Nick Osmo, I mean, he's he, just, how great is oh, he? Man, what a great find he's he was. I mean, what a steal. I mean, seventy nine yards this past week. It, yeah, you gotta like that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, <clears throat> hell of a game for Knight. I think. Um, I would guess right because he had what do you have receiving? He had about sixty receiving yards too, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, three catches, sixty-five yards. I and think. so I mean, yep, three catches, sixty-five yards. That long one, thirty-seven. That you know, yeah, kind of set the tone a little bit. Kind of yep. got us going. Yep. He had twenty-six rushes, one hundred thirty-five yards, a net of one thirty-one, three touchdowns. So he averaged five a carry. Nick Osmo eighteen for seventy-nine, four point four yards a carry. Nick Osmo had no runs for lost yardage. Wow. Which you got to like. Oh, yeah. Um, but Cam, nine rushes, 41 yards, 3.9 average. Um, and that includes, obviously, the one sack because yeah, sacks go against your rushing yeah. in, at the college level. I mean, you got to go back. I mean, it's like you can't you can't hope for much more than 20 to 29, pitching another 41 yards on the ground, no turnovers, a touchdown, and, you know, running a good offense. Yeah. Right? From a backup QB, can you? I <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see a lot of electricity at a cam. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a different thing. I'm just saying for a backup QB coming in and managing the game. Okay. You're I I, I, I get what you're saying. Um but I just I just never thought that they took the reins off of him because they were managing the game a little bit. And what do you do? You you have an opponent in front of you and you beat him. And that's what Cam did. Um so hats off to that that kid. Um, and maybe you're right. The the conversation of like, is he going to be the next starter, like next year? Is he? Pr- I think that we're going to have that conversation because I think that was one of the questions posed to us for the listener round. So I think it'll Perfect. be an interesting one. Yeah. Um. I I think that. Um. Like I said earlier, I don't know that I completely buy that they were so confident that the running game was going to work that they didn't have more passing. I just think that they kind of started to see some things and like, okay, this is working, this is working, and they were going to lull them in, and then they just never felt the need to take shots downfield because it was working. Yeah. So I guess if if they threw the ball a ton this coming week, it wouldn't shock me because then you know Bobby didn't put any of that on film, so they're going to think that we're going to run. And there was a time in that game though where I thought they're going to need to throw the ball downfield because all these short outs and these hooks mm-hmm. and button routes. They're going to get closed off. We weren't moving the ball well on the ground early. Yep. And for whatever reason, maybe Eastern gets tired. Maybe they, uh, our coaching staff you know, adjust the scheme a little bit. But it started to click for us. Well, yeah. they did take a shot down the left side of the field. Ture. I mean, it wasn't they got hugely a, deep, but they took yeah. it to Ture. And I actually think that started to open things up because Eastern, we weren't passing anything. But then when we threw that 
they kind of had to be like, oh, okay. I mean, they are going to throw the ball a little bit down there. So I do think they took it off a little bit. Before that play, Eastern was effectively mostly zero coverage. It was just man-to-man on the outside, stack the box. And then we did that, and um, we got the pass interference because the ball was like, Pretty severely underthrown, which was part of it's like, oh, it's the wind, but it was going into the south, which is with the wind. So um, that was a little bit of a bummer because like, you could kind of see the setup coming. It was like Ture's one on one with like a five foot six corner, like, <laughs> and Ture's ability to break free off the line is maybe one of the best of the receivers. It's like, just go. And then Cam underthrows it. I think we wound up, didn't we wound up scoring on that? Wasn't that the. It's either that drive or the next drive that we we ended up scoring on. I like to imagine the defensive coordinator in zero, like dialing up zero coverage and then having the Grizz throw a fly to (laughs) Torrey in the same play and being like, oh, shit, we got away with one there. Oh, God. I think it's pretty ballsy for any defensive coordinator called zero coverage against our receivers, which is why I really think it took just them throwing the ball down the field once for Eastern to be like, Okay, they're willing to do it. We can't play zero coverage. <laughs> so that was the start of the second quarter, and that was the fourth down uh, failed uh, attempt. Okay. So no points on that deep shot. But that was something where then suddenly they went back to two safeties deep. Mm-hmm. And after that, it was it got pretty run heavy. Speaking of fourth downs, we didn't go for it on a fourth and six from I think like our 48 or 49-yard line. Were you guys unhappy with that? That was early, but then we we went for it on a fourth and two, the one that yeah. we missed. Yeah, I don't know. Did you guys have any thoughts? We, well, we did. I think I know which one you're talking about because we ended up punting it and it went in the end zone. So it was like a net of 16 yards was our gain, basically. Um, so that's a that's a tough one. I mean, it's like I hate to say, you know, we should go for it more, yada yada yada, because you know you can't have that blanket approach. I think we should have kicked the field goal earlier in the game. <laughs> I was sitting there until we got like 10 points ahead. I was sitting there thinking, well, that three points is going to come back and get us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was like the thing. I was like, if, if you're a ball control, if your goal is ball control, every point is vitally important. Mm-hmm. And of course, as we found out, Eastern completely fell apart and we outscored them 24 to three in the second half. And it wound up not mattering. But, but this team's been a team of runs. They got up early on us, though. Yeah. I mean, they... 14-3. Yeah, like, they, quick they scores. Out, they came yeah. out in the second quarter and scored pretty quick, pretty efficiently. Barrier... I still can't say that. Barrier. Barrier. <laughs> I mean, I he, right, he completed four passes in a row. Five passes in a row, I think, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, marches them down the field and scores. We come out and... Punt. We yeah, do three, we and have a three and out. That was the sack, right? Yep. The one sack Cam it, took. And then they no, come no, back and later. score again. Yeah. I mean, go up 14-3. The thing, and it's like it's easy to look at it after the game, but it's like we're far enough into the season that it's like our defense, and this is true for everyone, so this is going to be like one of those John Madden no-duh moments, you know, but it, it – a lot of times when teams are moving on us, it's because they're getting a fluky big play, you know? And it's like some blown coverage or something. It's like, God, if we could just keep that in front of us, we're, you know, and then they get some momentum and then they go. But to the defense's credit, they figured it out, you know? Um, Berrier 
didn't seem to be as mobile as I expected him to be. I mean, he was wearing a knee brace, so I wonder if that's part of it. Um, But I also think that our guys were laying some pretty good hits. So it's like, I kind of (laughs) wonder if there wasn't a little bit of, I'm not going to go run there. You know what I noticed about um, Barry Arier was how lackadaisical he was on the sideline. Side oh once in general or okay well, sorry actually no. okay, in, sorry. in general well, okay go with your point. But when they came out after the after the halftime after halftime, they had a really gross three and out mm-hmm. punt to us, and when they kind of showed him on the sideline. Just dancing around and laughing like it was like no big fucking deal. Then like later, like in the fourth quarter, they show another shot of him after he like badly missed a pass, like overthrew the pass, and he was just smiling in his face, like you could just totally see it. And I, I'm up in the booth. I do stats for Root Sports, and we can see replays mm-hmm. like every play really like quickly and stuff. And I thought they were talking in the booth off off mic about how lackadaisical he was and we were just sitting there like what the hell is his like problem how how can he not feel the urgency <laughs> and i don't know i mean maybe some guys just play loose like that yeah. um you, it, you know who played i mean who played loose like that but did pretty damn well was vernon adams true right he true. played he played super loose but i don't know it would just be a weird dissonance yeah in like what is a normal football culture to have your leader laughing off f- like horrible failure kind of like shitty that. performance. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, he was 22 for 41. That's not good. No. For 264 I, and a touch down. You know, like that's it. We talked about this a little bit last week, but that's not the same Eastern Washington. No. And I mean, he may be just as like from a raw talent standpoint as some of the quarterbacks they've had, but I don't know that he's got the it factor that some of the previous guys he's had. A, he's a sophomore, right? Vernon Adams never that that performance no. never would have happened with Vernon Adams. Not even it young never Vernon would have happened no. with Gage Gabrud. No, I mean, Gage, Gage Gabrud when he came to Missoula, in, he wasn't the starter though. Yeah, that's right. The other guy got knocked out. The guy that went to Hennessy, he went to Central Washington. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Barrier in the first quarter, after their first few series, they were a little. If he, he had a couple nice touches. Like he dropped a few in, and like that grid, the early zone defense had some big holes in it, and he had a few where he was dropping them right over outstretched hands. Uh, but to me, it felt like I can't remember the possession, but there was a possession in the second quarter. Eastern was up, I think it was fourteen three. Maybe that was the the punt where Graves just fucking leveled that little dude, and then. Um, I could I be I could be mixing them up, but the grit like they'd force Barrier out of the pocket, and him running and having to throw on the run while moving either to his right or to his left, he was bad, like bad, bad. And I mean, you could I, it'd be fascinating to go back and and look and see if you pushed him to the to the sideline. I, I don't think he completed a lot of passes if he had to leave. It, he had some nice stuff where he stepped up, mm-hmm. but he, he was bad going lateral. That's true. Yeah, it would be interesting to see his, his efficiency when he's on the move. Yeah, and it felt like they kind of figured – it seemed like they figured a bit of that out because it felt like maybe real early it was play it safe, keep it in front of you, 
and then and let him step up or, or don't let him run uh, like get it get loose but then i think we quickly realized he's not gonna run on us like he did against sack because his knee was obviously bugging him and he just maybe and maybe that was it like the bit of the bum knee he couldn't plant and chuck it as hard as he's used to but it seemed like a good formula that he suddenly was unable to be as accurate as he was before. And I think this dovetails nicely to something I wasn't expecting. Um, they were running this like 15 yard drag route with Limu Jones, like repeatedly. And, oh my and God, it was just, yes. fa- it was just finding the soft spot in the, in the zone. But what really took that away, I thought, wasn't necessarily our secondary adjustments. It was that our defensive line started getting pressure on the quarterback. Yes. And that's not something we've seen no. uh, in spades all year. No. But what the hell? They, I mean, they had themselves a game. I, if I could award like a pl- defensive player of the game, it'd go to the go to the defensive line. Probably, Mike, don't you think, too? First game where the impact of the D-line wash well I mean first quarter had some moments second quarter was a little iffy but like especially as the game went on like the presence of the D-line was the was more influencing in the game than it had been in any other game this year I would agree with that and um, I think that's a combination of a few things I mean one I do think that all those young guys were rotating in and out outside opposite Sims are getting comfortable I also think that maybe Eastern doesn't have as great of an O-line as some of the other teams have played. But no. that being said, aren't they pretty veteran on the O-line? Don't they have a lot of guys yeah, that they're have pretty made veteran, quite a few starts? But they're, they're pretty veteran, but they average allowing four sacks a game. I mean, they, they're, they've they not been great. Okay. But, I mean, the sacks, it's tough because I think Barrier showed in this game. He, he doesn't really read pressure very well. He steps into pressure sometimes. Okay. So, D-line, statistically, pass breakups – Safeties had two, D-line had two. <laughs> and I think that's incorrect because it attributes Jacob McGoran with one. Oh, yeah, okay, that's right, because he batted a, like a screen-type pass. Yep. And then, We're uh, going to get one of those. Alex, Alex Gubner. So it only attributes McGoran and Gubner. But Sims definitely had one. Sims had one, and they do not credit Sims with one. But so uh, Sandra and Robertson each have one as well, too. But so D-line defended statistically defended more passes than the safeties. <laughs> We're going to get one of those interceptions. We bat a lot of balls. Oh, that one McGoran hit. That was like a can of corn. Like he slapped yeah. it up in the air, but there was nobody there because it was late and it was just defend the pass. And then we had the other one batted right back to Barry A. Oh yeah. I always think QBs are so stupid to catch it. Just bat that fucker down. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're, there's no way that play is ending positively for you. <laughs> As a fan, it's like that. There, and we had on our side, there was like a, like kind of a screwed up swing pass that Joey Lou McGee had to slide and take like a four yard loss for. Mm-hmm. It's so easy as a fan to be like, "Don't catch, Don't that, catch shit. that! What are you doing?" You know. So, but yeah. um, <laughs> Jacob McGoran. Let's talk yeah. about that. So, Cheney native, which is clearly one of the reasons he played. Right? How does he not go there? Did, did they just not offer him anything? Not did, only did not his dad, dad was, his dad played dad for played. Eastern. This this is ultimate Bobby. This is like Bobby Howe. <laughs> Bobby Houck did this. Like, I'm trying to think, like, wasn't Ryan Bagley, wasn't his dad a cat? And his, like, younger brother became a cat? I think so. I know Andrew Sh- Schmidt's dad was a cat coach. <laughs> she just called him Andrew Shit? Uh, apologies. Did. Oh, my God. I, I apologies. heard Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> so Schmidt's from Bozeman. Uh, we got a Ty Timmer, who the Timmer family 
Like his dad was on the '84 Cat Championship team, and his mom played basketball for the Cats. And we sold out to get Ty Timmer. So Bobby gets him. Um, there was a couple other Cats. I'm trying to think, but it's like, but, but I mean, it's like, but, but talking about McGoran here, I mean, it's like, yeah. that's an, like, you know, Bobby says all the right things about other coaches in yeah. public, yeah. but I don't think Barry is the same caliber of the QBs they've had before. No. I don't think this Eastern team had the same spark they've had previously. Not to say they're not going to get it back next year, because a couple times during Eastern's little run this decade, they've had a down year and they've come back. Yep. But you see this sometimes when a coach takes over a successful program, is the first two years are really successful because st- you've got a lot of you know, veteran guys who've been in the system for three or four years who are, you know, and it's like, it all kind of works. Mm-hmm. But then by year three, most of the holdover coaches are gone. Cause it's like, you know, they went to different opportunities. Yep. Most of the players in that system are yours that you've had to teach. And it's like, are you the same caliber recruiter? Are you the same caliber coach? And it's like, I'm going to be really curious to see next year if Aaron best has it. Cause walking out, of the stadium. I walked out behind a group of Eastern Washington fans for a few minutes Mm -hmm. um, before I saw you actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they were all bitching about the coaching (laughs) and I I think they were parents. I don't know that for sure. (laughs) They were, they were not impressed with the coaching. Uh, while there's not a lot of posters, the Eastern Washington message board is very upset with the offensive coaching staff. They feel best apparently isn't calling plays right now. And whoever the OC is, they want him gone. Run out of town. Wasn't it like the third OC in three years? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he name an OC and then lost the OC like weeks later? Wasn't that that Taylor? No, that would have been a year. No, he lost Taylor. He lost Taylor in year one. Right? Right after he's been hired, Taylor went to Utah. Taylor went to Utah. Okay. But he had one. I feel like he named one and then lost one quickly. Yep. But never was there. So, yeah. Well, I don't know. What this, it felt so damn good to beat Eastern Washington, though. I mean, it, like, there's, I mean, we've, we're going to talk about Portland, and it's going to feel, I, I hope, it's going to feel damn good to get revenge against those guys. But, like, there's, they're outside of the, the cat game that looms. This one feels really fucking good to like get back in the win column because I posted this like in the last six meetings they've won five of the games. So um, and Eastern thinks we're their rival. I don't know where that comes from. It's Eastern, and this is the joke. They they need to find their own rival, but they gotta like adopt their you know they gotta like pick one up. Like oh yeah, you're our rival. But their rivalry technically for the Big Sky is Portland State, which. If Portland State was your rival, I'd be looking for a different one, too. (laughs) But they're, I mean, I don't know. What's your, I mean, do you think Eastern is, I mean, how long have they been top tier Big Sky? Top tier? I mean, since the Grizz kind of peeled away, right? Ten years? Yeah, but I mean, they were even in the conversation. Like, they were... They were a team that was always fighting to be in the conversation. Even, you know, going back to the late 90s almost. So top tier, yeah, I mean, you could say the last 10 years. But I mean, like, upper echelon of the big sky, which is easy to say. It's like, for Bobby's last run, it was the Grizz and everybody else. But um, quite a while. 
So this rivalry, according to Wikipedia, is called the Governor's Cup. And it started in 1938, I guess. Huh. Um, Who knew? There was a great article, and I'd heard the story before, but about the last time... It was the last game at um, um, uh, the old field before they opened Washington Grizzly Stadium. Dorm Blazer. Dorm Blazer. It's right by my house. I should know this. Um, And it was uh, um, a whole bunch of ties to the current staffs were actually there, but the... The Grizz won on a um, touchdown that <laughs> yeah. was was ruled out of bounds by Eastern in the back of the end zone, and it was called inbounds, but Eastern thought he was out. I thought it was flip. the other way around. Whatever, flip. anyway. Yeah. But that's the premise. And the the coach from Eastern had a great quote because he had Montana ties, and he said, "Whenever I come to Missoula, I feel like a hooker in Butte on a Friday night." <laughs> what? <laughs> that's what he said in the paper. <laughs> what? <laughs> Bobby was an assistant coach then. What is that? I don't even know what that means. Mike, can you explain it to us? <laughs> You're busy? You, I don't know. You get after a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You're not getting tips on Uber? Okay. Here here's uh, this now this is this is Wikipedia, right? So we got to we got to realize the source might be a little iffy. The Governor's Cup when it is in Eastern Washington as the home team, what are the two cities they've played in? Cheney. Cheney. Who else? Easy. Cheney. Oh, Spokane. 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 Joe Albee Stadium. In Montana, it's mostly been in Missoula, but one time it was somewhere else. It was in Helena. No. Butte? No. 1948, it was played in Great Falls. Why? Eastern won 12 to 7. No. That's why we don't play home games in Great Falls. They're like, fuck this. We're not going back to Great Falls. <laughs> I love Great Falls, by the way. I just want to put that in there. Is that like you Shelby guys? It's like we're going to go to Great Falls. I don't Falls. I just don't want to play Grizz home games in Great Falls. <laughs> so we talk about like, East, it, it, like Eastern. Um, since 2010, we've played them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten times. And they've won four, five, six, seven to ten. So the Grizz still lead the series 28-17-1. We had a tie in 1984. We tied 14-14. But uh, other than that, yeah, so Eastern really started, really came about once Bobby left, actually. And I don't know. It uh, After that homecoming game two years ago, it just feels so good to – Get on the right side of the wind against these guys. What yeah. Yep. About the receiver drop. Right. <laughs> so, I'm you know as we're watching the game, I couldn't help but think um, there was this play in the fourth quarter. I can't remember which receiver it was, but some Eastern Washington goon drops. A touchdown pass. I mean, hits him in the hands. And their receivers in the second half had some dropsies. Oh, my God. I think that was because they were getting hammered by our DBs. But that one you're talking about in the end zone, no excuse. He should have got it. I thought the players, they dropped so many balls. I thought the players were trying to get the coach fired. I was like, they're like, we just need to get embarrassed. (laughs) That's how bad they sucked. Well, there's a conspiracy theory for you. Nice. It has to. I I don't get it. It was, I mean, Mike, we could have caught those passes. So, but anyway, 
I was like, oh, that sucks. And then um, like I, I quickly reminded myself, that's karma, bitch, because we had uh, Lamariel Taylor drop that touchdown two years ago. Yep. Yep. At home in the game that we lost. Didn't we run the play like three straight times and Lamariel Taylor dropped it twice and then Sammy dropped it the third time? Yeah. All in the uh, same drive. I think like, Sammy dropped it first and then uh, and then went out with cramps and Lamariel dropped it the next two. We were up twenty one points, twenty four. Yeah, that would have sealed it at because the time. They came back and won that game, but that would have changed the whole thing because it would have been like too much. <sighs> I was so depressed. We were so depressed out of that after that game it was freezing. But Mike and I stood outside the Iron Horse and drank to just discuss and like have a car- <laughs> cathartic like <laughs> What the fuck happened what? moment? Pre-Grizz what? fan pod. You could just... Yeah. Outside the Iron Horse. <laughs> or no, it was outside the press box. We just walked across the bridge. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was rough. Oh, man. So anyway, I was like, that's karma. We, we, we're we owed a drop in the end zone. <laughs> I think we're owed a drop in the end zone when it has more impact on the game. So I want to save that save karmatic for drop years. for later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you talked about though, Mike. I think this has shown itself time and time again this year outside of the Sacramento game. I don't think teams are prepared for the physical nature that this football team has. And I love that Lemu Jones guy. Like, I don't know how the hell Eastern got him because that dude is crazy good. That swing pass he took. Now, he had some good blocks, and one of the gross safeties had a pretty bad angle but i mean that guy that's never happened no right yeah um (laughs) that guy is like that he well although part of me it's like the first quarter maybe a little bit of the second quarter i was like i can see this guy's insane i can see why this guy is like the real deal but open the second half and he gets rocked like right away and then he gets smacked again a little later when it was like Eastern kind of desperation. We got to stay in yep. this game. And he gets popped over the middle on a third down. And he's like, his arms hurt. Oh, God. And then he short arms a ball in the next series. Like, mm-hmm. he just doesn't even want anything to do with it. And so you can kind of see, okay, maybe that's why this guy's at Eastern. But it's like the physical nature of this Grizz defense. And I think the Grizzly O-line as well, too. But the defense, especially through the whole game, just wore wore Eastern down, and their guys by the end of the game wanted nothing to do with that defense. And I mean, drops a wide open pass because who knows? Maybe he thinks Sandry is gonna like blast him. As, I, don't, I don't know something, but it was just like no, they gave up. Like I, I rewatched up. it, which you guys, by, you all know by now. James <laughs> and I like to rewatch the games on Sunday mornings. <laughs> he always wants to do it, and I never object. So we rewatched it, and it's like they. I mean. They did not want to be there the second <laughs> And there's, it's just refreshing to know that you can run the ball three times in a row and get a first down. Yep. Oh. That's, I was talking, I sit down the row um, uh, from a guy who used to play. He, he returned punts in the 90s. And so we always sympathize a little bit with the punt returners because he says it's the scariest <laughs> job there is. Like, it's like, you have no idea. You, you, I don't know how any punt returner ever can say they follow their blocks because you can't look and see what's happening. <laughs> Catch the ball and no, but and it was, we were talking cause he, he validates my opinions that we should pass more. So I always like it, you know, a former player agrees with me on this. Um, so we will bitch about the offensive play calling together. And as the game went on, I said, 
I'm not going to take back anything about the fact that I wanted to pass the ball more earlier, but there is something fun about just lining up and running it down their throats in the fourth quarter and being like, you can't stop us. And I will say the only thing that bummed me out about the fourth quarter is the false start by the Mm. freshman tight end on that last drive or when I guess the second to last drive. Yeah. Cause I think we would have gotten that first down yes, we and we would have ran out the whole clock. So it's like, they would have just never got the ball back. That was, I think wasn't that the third to last. Cause then we had the fumble by night. No, the fumble then, was earlier. This was after. Okay. The fumble. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you're right. Yep. I, I think, but like when was the last time you just knew the O line in the run game was going to win the game for you in the fourth quarter. It was like, there was it's flu season. <laughs> it, I mean, it was, it was wild, but it was like at that point of the game, I think in the fourth quarter, Eastern had two D linemen get air quote hurt because they were done playing football. They just wanted to go the fuck home. They, they, they were completely done. They were sick of uh, Mo Mallory rubbing his tummy on their face. And, uh, <laughs> um, I, or, or other body parts on their face. Um, but like, but it was just like, there was a point where Osmo, as you said, Mike did not have any rushes for a loss. By the time he got contact, he was two, three, four yards of the field. It'd be, you'd see a run. You'd be like, oh, they didn't get much. And you look at the spot and it's like, shit, he gained like four yards. Mm-hmm. And, and it was it, just like. Boom, 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 boom. And it's like to be able to get in the fourth quarter, a couple scores up, and just say, we don't care. You know what we're going to do. You're not going to stop us. And just mow them down. That, that, we've not seen that in a long time. So I'd have to go back and look at the stats, but I think Osmo had zero runs for a loss. Knight had one or two. Um, yeah, he's credited with a four-yard loss. So then a single, just one, s- yeah, one single just loss. One. Yeah. So, so I, you know, and I think this speaks to the improvement that the O line has made. Because when was the last time, except for the last few weeks of this year, where we didn't routinely have guys getting hit in the backfield? I mean, like I just oh, yeah. maybe it's flashbacks yeah, yeah. to Stit, <laughs> but I mean. You know, we'd, we'd hand it off like I'd be there, you know, and it was just there's nothing. Yeah. So it's like that to me shows that something's something's going right, something's working well there. Stitt was a different style though, right? It was like spread it out and hope you have a mismatch on the on the run plays. Like Calhoun really feasted off being able to be a, a, a Jeremy Calhoun as a runner, like being able to be a powerful guy with a mismatch, and he'd score a lot of touchdowns. But we were never a, a, a strong rushing team. And it feels like we're going back to that, which is great. I mean, we're. De- I mean, you can't say we're not a good rushing team. We may not be an elite rushing team, but yeah. you know, I mean, that it's going pretty well. Um, a couple other things I think we want to touch on, but but let's swing back to Cam for a second. So, twenty to twenty nine, hundred seventy six yards, one touchdown, no fumbles, no interceptions. Uh, Luke Luke expected more and is disappointed. Um, what do we think of his performance? I mean, first start as a Grizz, coming up, you know, stepping in. I thought we'd chuck the ball around more, I'll be honest. I mean, if you're going to grade it on the curve, that's probably fair. An A. If you want to rate it on pure quarterback play, B minus? Maybe a C on C? pure quarterback play. Pure quarterback play, he has room to grow, and but, which yeah. is great. He's I mean, owed the 
the the space and the time to grow yeah. his first start yeah uh but just objective grade i think mm-hmm. that's it um I, you know it's i i don't disagree with either of that i mean he he overthrew underthrew was off target a little bit on a couple that maybe he wishes he had back um they also didn't let him take a lot of shots so i think it's hard to say cuz the offense clearly they were doing what was working I will say, and you and I can debate this a little bit, I actually thought for making his first start here, he had pretty good pocket awareness, stepping up, getting rid of it. Yeah, he got sacked once. Yeah, sometimes he he ran and took some hits he didn't need to take. But he also stood back there and delivered the ball and got hit a couple times while delivering the ball that I don't think that guys just come off the bench and do. Like, you've got to have some level of talent on that. See, I I don't think you define pocket presence as getting your shit rocked in the the pocket. (laughs) Like, that's not what pocket presence is. That has to do with, like, some testicular fortitude, some toughness. But he also rolled away. I mean, he only got sacked once. He dropped back. He threw 29 times, and he got sacked once. And I maybe... The score on this is a moving target by quarter, but I thought early he struggled identifying the blitz. I agree with that. And either he got better and settled into the role, which would be, or settled into the game, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Quarterbacks do that all the time. Or maybe the offense started rolling a little better because they, they could run the ball and Eastern couldn't blitz willy-nilly. Well, I texted you guys probably midway through the third quarter, and I think I just said, do you notice that Cam can only throw to his left? <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> and and I will say, as the game went on, like th- he threw the touchdown to the right. So obviously like he made some progressions there, but it was like, and I almost wondered if this wasn't some of the offensive play calling, like go to your first read. Like they're going to be there, go to your first read. So it's like he's looking left, goes to his first read, it's there, he throws it. Um, I think that that's something that absolutely is going to be noticed on film this week. I mean, Portland State has probably already <laughs> circled it and pointed out their players. <laughs> yeah. So it's that's something they're going to have to coach for next week. And I really do wonder if as the as the game plan, if you will, started to work more, that they didn't put much on film with him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because Bobby plays those mind games a oh, little yeah. bit. And I just wonder if... It started working, so they didn't do too much. And that if he's if he starts at Portland State, which I think the three of us all think he's going to. Yeah, I would assume so. If he starts at Portland State, if they're not going to do a completely different offensive game plan than they did this week. Yeah. I, mean, it, it, I could see him. Yeah, they go four or five wide and just sling it around the field all day <laughs> for Portland. I'd have no gotcha. problem with that. L- let him take off more. Yeah. What do you think, Brent? Oh my god. Cam Cam almost got knocked the fuck out twice. Like, I mean, lucky and maybe he knew what he was doing. There was there was a play super early. Like he goes, but his slides kind of like awkward and late and then Eastern safety like just misses his face with his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then there was a late late fourth quarter. I feel like it was a fourth quarter conversion on a third down or maybe that's set up at like a third one where he was just standing too tall yeah cam we've said this about sneed and you're not immune from it slide slide <laughs> i i mike told this story last year where he met sneed's parents at yeah. the tailgates beforehand and uh they were quick to mention that you know 
Sneed does take off a lot. He runs, uses his feet. He's effective at it. But it's not as bad as you would think because he's really good at not taking hits squarely. <laughs> and there is sort of an art form to that. Yeah. You know, like Lamar Jackson's pretty good at that. Early Russell Wilson yeah. was really good at that. Well, there's also this saying of like saying like, say it with your chest. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Cam was taking the hits with the chest. <laughs> so somebody asked him about it in the press conference after the game. Really? <laughs> um because he and Knight and Sims were the three players at the press conference with Hauk. And so somebody asked him about it. Like, you know, after the generic, like, what have you learned from Sneed and give the platitudes and all that. Um, and he made a joke about, he kind of looked at Hauk and he said, well, at this program we're told we can't run out of bounds. So I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect but answer. Hauk was like, he goes, you know, maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> He actually, it, it's funny because like we, we've talked about this on this love pod before, answer. how Grizz receivers and running backs have finished plays, it flipped like they they've put the punishment on the the defender as best they can. You know, and Cam did that early in the game. There was something that was like he should have run out of bounds, and he cuts up and he like puts his shoulder, shoulder into one of the like the corners or safeties. It was like, oh my god, like he's. <laughs> but the team probably loved it. Oh yeah. No, not only, oh my gosh, I don't know if you saw this on the replay. What was number four, the D lineman's name? Oh, that was the guy that just came back, right? Uh, Ojo. Ojo. Ojo or something. Or, like, uh, I, can, I can find it. He He's a, supposed to be their big stud. Yeah, he is really good. Well, he, he there's a like, there's a play where uh, it's like a little, it's like a handoff. Number four is Dylan Ledbetter. Ledbetter, that's yeah. his name. Okay, yeah. yeah. Ojo's 58. Mike, if you still have this game, it's in the first half, but Cam hands off to Knight, and Knight cuts back, and Cam like sees this, and he goes downfield to try to block for him, oh, which is just so like bad. the sack it up, we play for yeah. Bobby Houck mentality. Mm-hmm. Oh my he got Christ. He got thrown on his ass. Yeah. He ran hard into like a two like the 200 and what 70 pound lead better and put straight on his back it made me like oh it looked like it hurt but hop back up you blocking this system dude um so to the point about not going out of bounds um at qb club tonight which of course we're not giving away any secrets gogrizz.com slash qb club well worth it um, shout out to logan for uh reading our questions first yeah absolutely neither brent or i made it to the QB club tonight so we appreciated that uh, we got to submit questions online and they answered them um so thanks to everybody involved we we love what you're doing with QB club (laughs) and actually I I watched it online for the first time you've watched it a couple times it was great online it was awesome like this is worth doing wherever you're at I mean I had it up on my phone while I'm carving pumpkins with my kids mm mm-hmm like you're able to get the information, watch the film, hear from Bobby, hear from other people. He repeats questions. You're able to submit your own questions. It's great. Yeah. No. And so it's well worth it. But one of the things I will say is, you know, they always show highlights of the previous game and, and he made a point to point out the Eastern running backs running out of bounds. Yes. Like they don't want anything to do with our defense. And you know, it's just, it's like such a Bobby Houck thing, but he's like, this matters and it sends a message and, and you know, this guy couldn't get to the sidelines fast enough. And it's funny cause I definitely noticed that during the game a little bit where yeah. he was running the sidelines. Cause yeah, it's yeah. like, you're just kind of conditioned to be like, 
we don't run to the sidelines. <laughs> it's funny because now it's like we've watched, like especially this season of like Bobby Houck brand football, and then even I'll watch like the NFL. These guys will like run out of bounds. It's like, ah, you bitch. You know? I will <laughs> say, like, and, and come on. I think that we're you know we're still a little ways away from like being the dominant run coast to coast in the conference, beat yeah, everybody. Yeah. You know, like the one true champion of the conference. But one of the things Bobby said when he got hired, somebody asked him, like, what's the difference in the conference? And he just said, well, we're not winning. Mm -hmm. Basically, like, I've been gone. You know, we've been gone. But I will say that he's not wrong in the sense that the toughness that he's got the Grizz playing with is not a trademark of the big sky. No. Like there are teams in the big sky. Like Weber is tough. They get it. They're hard nosed. Sac State's guys played tough. I mean, yeah. it'll be interesting to be that consistently, but it is not a hallmark of the big sky. It's a pass heavy finesse type of league. And I think that his thought is like, if we could do that and also beat the shit out of people, it's going to be an advantage for us to that end. You know, our third string QB is, on special teams, nailing returners. Oh, my God. I mean, he just he couldn't have timed that any better. He slowed down. They sped back up when the guy didn't take the fair catch. <laughs> it was funny. I was watching uh, I was watching the game. I have, we, we had some friends there, and one of them was uh, <clears throat> JR, who my girls gave a shout-out to. And um, former Grizz, but unbeknownst to him, that number five was our backup QB. And so when he laid that hit. I was like, oh my God. And I was like, and that guy's our backup QB. And he's like, what? <laughs> Which is a different it's conversation. Like, yeah. But it's that. like Graves. And we've seen this the whole season. Graves on special teams. And let, like, let's roll into it. I, I this guy's got to play defense, right? I think he has to. Like I, He's such a tough sob. He's so talented. And he went both ways in Eureka, QB and safety, right? Yep. We yeah. don't. We've we've got we're four deep at running back, so he's not going to go steal that position. No. You know, so it's like he's either a free safety or say free or strong. Strong. Strong safety. I think he could play that. I think he could play that. Uh, I, I don't. I, I'm blanking on the name, but that extra safety that we use. Well, that's what I was going to say. He could kind of play the, the Robertson place number yeah, two. The the, the the almost like line, hybrid, hybrid linebacker safety position. That's yeah. exactly where I was going. Like yep. I, he could play that position. He's super athletic, and someone with that sort of like toughness doesn't play quarterback. <laughs> I don't I think of um and just the the example there's probably several of these examples but the one most uh ready in my mind is Lauren Utterback mm-hmm. because I played mm-hmm. against him in high school. Oh, we're, this, really? we're the same age. Oh, yeah. oh fucking god. god. Yeah, that was <laughs> some miserable high school years thanks to the Utterback clan and several of of their people. Uh in fact like the very first time I see Lauren on campus, um, coming out of a, a dorm, and uh, he's coming in, and he's like, "Oh, hey, Luke," you know, and he's all—he's like a super nice dude, so you can't even hate him, even though he was like super athletic, and <laughs> beat the shit out of you. And I was like, "Lauren, I didn't recognize you because I wasn't face down in the gl- in the grass <laughs> watching you run into our end zone." <laughs> so. <laughs> Shit, dude. Good to see you, man. 
But uh, he fits that mold. What you're saying? Yeah, but he was a running back in high school and was an amazing running back. Utterback. Utterback okay. was, and I think brought here to on the offensive side of the ball, but turns out to be a linebacker. Wears 37. 37? Yep. And his brother came in was a running back. But yeah, Brandon. Buried. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> I just. But it's just like he had this mentality of looking for hits. And trust me, Lauren would run your ass over rather than run around you. And I see that with Graves. Like, I saw him play in high school. Uh, his his team played Shelby a couple times. Similar. Like, he breaks through the linebackers, and he's seeking out the safety to run over on yep. his way to the end zone. I think he's a defensive player. I do, too. I and so. I, th- I think he'll end up there. And, I, and we could talk more about this a little bit because I, I've got some thoughts on the QBs and, and where we're going to go with that. Um I do we also need to give Flowers some credit because that fumble he recovered when the Eastern guy muffed the kickoff, which turned the tide. Man, Bobby Houck special teams. I mean, we were up ten and you were thinking, That's all right, right, they gotta score twice in the fourth yeah, quarter, yeah. but it's like they get that, they go and score a touchdown, and it's just like holy crap. And Flowers saw the ball was alive and dove for it. And you know what? There were more Eastern guys around that than yeah. It's it's like the opposite of the fumble last week the where week I was before. upset where that we didn't go after it strongly enough, and it, you know I just it's, he had no regard. It's like you get on that ball, you protect <sighs> it. I don't care if people are jumping on me. It's like I, good for him. That, that was, was awesome. awesome. Well, and so he was. It was great to see him kind of get that last laugh because he had a kick return earlier, which um, I can't remember who shared the video. It might have been Grizz Fan News. It, it was one of the it was one of kind of kind of the Grizz fan accounts mm-hmm. that showed Flowers' kick return where Eastern player tackled him with the mask to the point that he ripped his helmet ripped off, it off on the ground and then celebrated and Flowers was pissed. There was another kick return later or something where um, no, that was the last kick return that he had. There was something where Flowers was on the field, and he was still like kind of scrappy about the thing. Flowers got a personal foul on. That's right, he got kickoff <laughs> on a kickoff. Yeah, because he was so pissed because it was it was bullshit. But then for him to be able to like get out there and then effectively break the morale mm-hmm. of Eastern on that with that kick and that recovery and it was great. It was so great to see. And the th- yeah, the thing I like about it. Is I just think it says so much about the team and how they're buying in the, the coaching staff because it's like, here's Flowers, who's clearly talented and probably would be getting snaps at wide receiver on almost any other team at this level, yeah. except we're just so deep. And then you got a guy like Torre, who also would probably be the number one receiver on almost yeah. every other team in this league. And, you know, he caught two balls on um, Saturday, but. He was out there blocking his ass off when when um, uh, Louis McGee got a screen around. I mean, it, it's like these guys aren't—they're not quitting if they're not part of the play. It's like they're right. buying into it all. And I, I just love to see it. Uh, imagine being the best wide receiver on Northern Colorado's team versus <laughs> the f- fifth best wide receiver and get to be Malik Flowers on this Grizz team. Like, fuck off, dude. I'm going to play in Washington Grizzlies. <laughs> yeah, I'd take it. I mean, for I'm a gonna... winning program. Oh, my God. Um, But that's the point in the game where I knew we were going to win it for sure. Was that fumble Malik recovery? Flowers yep. Yeah. Yep. fumble recovery. I was like, that's it. Ball game's ours. Yep. Yep. 
Um, defense rose to the occasion. They did. We've talked about it, but credit to them. Three points in the second half. And, you know, this is the second game this season where we've had a run of, you know, um, well, we were 32-3, to three, basically, because we were losing 14-3. to three, And we won. And we won 35-17. Yeah. So we went on a 32-3 to three run. I mean, <laughs> it, it, that's just like. <laughs> so great. I, yeah. I want to pull up a Eric Tabor tweet from this evening. Um, Eric Tabor tweets, uh, fun facts, Grizz football has outscored opponents exactly 100 points to date this season, 302 to 202. More than half have come in the second half, where wow. they hold a 182 to 67 advantage. That's a complete reversal of the year before. Yep. I mean, I think that is uh, telling of the experience that our coaching staff has. They go into halftime, and 20 minutes is not a lot, right? That's not even a Netflix show, dude. <laughs> and they can make adjustments in that period of time. Yeah. I, I mean, you almost wonder if some of it's not just waiting and seeing what the other team's <laughs> going to do. Like, you know, and I know we've joked about that before, but I don't know. I don't know. And, and like, Bear and the defense, like, I got to give them credit. I do think that we have to accept that with the we're running the scheme we're running partly because of the talent we've got on the roster. Right. You know, we don't have a true shutdown corner and we're, we're our deepest position is safety. So that's why you're seeing, I mean, that's why we're yep. relying on this system. Um, and we have to ex- accept that there are going to be times where we run a kind of a, a hybrid zone and the teams are, are going to throw it to an area they think is going to be open. And if we don't, you know, cut it right, it's going to happen. And that was frustrating me a few times this week, but they were a lot better than the week before. So hopefully that continues. And we're not facing as many passing quarterbacks as we have already. Yeah, that's true, right? As far as pure, like, ranked passing offenses. And we're kind of – that's in the rearview mirror now. Most of the – I mean, Portland, Idaho, Idaho, Weaver, Cats is a lot of run attack more than pass attack. Yep. So we talked a lot about the D-line. We're happy with them. Um, Um. a name we haven't mentioned so far, Dante. I was just going to say, let's just do the Dante Olson uh, tackle watch. Dude, he had 99. He's four, at 99 on the year. 14 tackles, 99. He's at 12.4 tackles a game. That's crazy. I mean, Robbie Howe got another 10. I think that's how he's at in the 80s, isn't He's it? at 78. I mean, 78. Dante is on pace for 150 in the regular season. What did he have last year? I don't know. But uh, okay, so if if you're gonna look that up or not, whatever. Audit. But um, whatever. Dante is number one in the conference at 99 tackles. Then Robbie is number four at 78, <laughs> and then Jace Lewis, the Townsend dude, junior, 71. So he's number five. So we have three of the top five tacklers in the conference. Man, wow. nasty. And we're like going to get two of them back. Yeah, our def- we're so young on defense. <laughs> like, that's the other thing about some of these guys getting playing time. Lose one safety, one linebacker, one D lineman. That's it. And one corner, right? Calhoun? Yeah. Calhoun. Yep. Yep. So we lose one from each position. Man. Future's bright, guys. It is. Uh, anything else on this week? I mean, we could go on forever, but we've already been doing this for an hour, and people are going to start bitching at us about long podcasts. Stick to 
not sports. Yeah, let's let's else, yeah. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> I was gonna try to find. Hang on, hang on. I'm looking at Dante's 2018 stats. Of course, gogers.com decides to run a little slow. Go ahead. I'll jump in. If anybody was curious earlier who who didn't pick up the reference, Eric Tabor is the uh, SID for UM for Grizzlies football. So that's who was tweeting that stuff out. Dante had 151 last year. 151. In one last game. Wow. He's off pace. Dante's lost his step. He's lost his step. Lost it. Oh, lost my God. Mm. Man. <laughs> okay, l- let's hear it here first. To see it. Let's to talk see about it. how the rest of the big sky did this, this last week. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, so let's look at uh, Sacramento State. They played um, Cal Poly. And they beat him. Beat him 38-14 convincingly. Mm-hmm. It was never a game. Yeah. That's probably I you guys didn't record the the picks last week, but I'm well, guessing I mean, they guys, we recorded them, we didn't write they're them down. Available. They're available <laughs> for streaming everywhere. <laughs> savvy researcher. Yeah, anyway. Uh doesn't matter. I feel like but we, I guess we you guys all Sac State. Sac State. Yeah. yeah. Uh then we had <laughs> Weber State playing UC Davis. I think I might have picked Davis. I think we split on this. Yeah, yeah, I think I picked Weber. And Weber, you know, granted, they put it away in the fourth quarter, but... It's typical Weber. Like, they jump up, but then they just play enough hard-nosed football where it's like... Well, they scored 36 points. I was going to say, I will say, I was able to watch They're this scoring game, a lot in conference. Um, sitting at the Tamarack after uh, Friday or Saturday evening. They had it up and on, so I was watching it, and... Um, I feel like I have to give them a little bit more credit. Yeah. I actually voted them number one in the um, power mm. rankings this week. I didn't. And the only reason I did what? that over Sac State was the reason I haven't been giving Weber the number one vote is because I've been feeling like your offense is lacking. Yeah. But I watched them. I mean, I watched them. I, I, I think the Weber-Sac game next week is going oh to be God. a phenomenal game. That game is in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. Will it be on Pluto TV? And will we be able to watch it? (laughs) It's going to be on Pluto. And it's three hours after the Grizz and Portland kick. So we hopefully will be able to crack a beer for a Grizz victory and uh, flip over and watch that game. Because that's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah. And I think as Grizz fans, we want to cheer for Weber, right? I kind of think Weaver beats Sack. We beat yes, Weaver because that 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 Sack leaves it open. Sack holds a tiebreaker for the uh, auto bid, but but you're you've got a split championship. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I think yeah. it's better for us seating wise because then you've got to win over. You know, yep. it murkies the water. So i i had i I had Pluto on in the evening, which was glorious i guess i don't know but i was slipping back and forth between the weber and then the portland i watched a little bit more of portland nau but um jake constantine kind of looked okay now i think davis's defense has been generally exposed to not being that great but constantine had 275 yards Hmm. so um we kind of like to pick on Weber like oh you run the ball and you can't pass for shit 275 through the air is no joke I mean that was 100 more than we had Cam Humphrey well um, right Humphrey had 179 or something so I mean it's going to be a test it's going to be a real test it was interesting it feels like Weber's a damn good coach team Jay Hill is 
I think one of the best coaches in the conference and they, this is what they do and they, they are playing their type of football and they're just getting better every week. That Grizz Weber game is going to be monumental. Thank God it's at home. Oh, and after we rest, play sack. <laughs> yep. Okay. Then we have, uh, Portland state went to Flagstaff and lost a tight one to Northern yeah. Arizona. I watched this game. 31-29. What did you think? You know, so uh, NAU jumped up early. So in the uh, Big Sky Conference, uh, the the podcast, uh, I picked I picked NAU to beat the spread. They were two-and-a-half-point underdogs. It was their homecoming. And I was feeling great early. I think they were up like 14, maybe, maybe 17 points. I mean, NAU looked like they were rolling. But then they just got stone cold. And Portland State... We're going to talk about them in a bit. They run the ball damn well. Their quarterback runs. They've right. got, they've got, they've got one of the better running backs in conference, but they've got a handful of guys, and they have a tight end who is not an NFL prospect, but is an NFL. Is he's going pro? Like he's going to be drafted. He's got the body. He's got it. Who was the Portland guy? He go to Denver. Um, he had a couple good years. I can't remember. 88, whoever he was. Well, he played basketball, though. He didn't play a lot of football. Uh, but anyway, so um, Portland comes storming back. They take a lead late, but it was a really weird ending, and it was just a classic hashtag Big Sky refs ending. <laughs> um, Portland has a third and two on like and i'm kind of generalizing here i don't have the stats in front of me they have what's like a third and two on the nau five qb runs an option and he's got a touchdown but clock's ticking right so he slides refs mark him short of the gain of the line of the first down and they don't fucking review it so Portland's like, fuck, so they kick a field goal. He could have run in the end zone, but NAU would have got the ball back with like a minute and a half or almost two minutes to go. Again, fucking instant replay. Oh, geez. Like, it's, it's like it, it was there. What's and, the like, point if you I, don't review like the really controversial plays? I could what's be wrong, but I feel like NAU even like took a timeout. Like, timeout. Okay, big sky. Come on, ring it in. Ring it in. Let's go. Do your job. Do your job. And they didn't. And so uh, Portland kicks field goal, and they take a 29-28 point lead. And then uh, Case Cookus, who was like a dud the whole second half, like hits a couple of cool, great passes, does his stuff. Both these teams have kickers with big-time legs. And AU kicks a field goal with four seconds left. Portland tried some desperation thing. QB hit and fumbled, and that was it. I mean – <laughs> it's tough because that was really – Portland should have won the game. They, the, I mean, running the end zone presumably probably would have walked away with a win. But, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Oof. Okay. So, <laughs> um, do you guys remember how you picked that game last week? Nope. I think I picked NAU. Mike definitely picked Portland State. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Then we had Idaho State – in maybe the biggest you surprise. Because we just talked about how overrated Portland is. Yeah, so I picked Because they beat nobody. Thanks. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome. Wah, wah, wah. All right. Uh, Idaho State goes to Cedar City, Utah, and Holy hangs an L fuck. on Southern Utah. 
Is that team broken? Is Idaho is Idaho State broken? Yes. I mean, I, not only did Absolutely. they lose, but they got fifty-nine points. They gave up fifty-nine. I mean, I like what? Southern Utah before that game was like the worst scoring offense and the worst scoring and the worst total offense. And after that game, they moved up like four points in both statistical they had a, categories. They had a coming out party. <laughs> It was bad. It was so bad. Um, yeah, I don't know if Idaho State's going to win another game. Even if they play Northern Colorado, I don't care. I mean, that was demoralizing. Now, Southern Utah, though. Boy, that's a bold statement. I watched <laughs> – I don't even know who they play. Um, Southern Utah last week had a good rally against Davis. And I think lost by maybe a score, like okay. a touchdown or 10 points. Had the game on a little bit and kind of was feeling like these guys are showing a fight. Like they kind of start to believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. So looking back on that and then forward to them putting it to Idaho State, who is, you know, downward spiral, um, doesn't totally surprise me in hindsight. I'm pretty sure we both picked Idaho State, though. <laughs> Ugh. I didn't. I didn't think Southern Utah was going to win this year. No, I, I mean, no. and they shouldn't have won this year. No. Like, it it boggles my mind. Like, um, I, yeah, I don't know. Okay, moving on. Final game of the week. Yeah. We have Montana State losing to North Dakota. Yeah, you hate to see it. You just yeah. hate to see it. Hate to see that. Do you think it takes a little shine off Cat Grizz if the cats no. suck? No. no, no, I told you that. My preferred storyline over the storyline that you wanted, which I was, that was my second preferred storyline, was for the Grizz to knock the Cats out of the playoffs. Yes. We only need them to lose one more time for that to be reality. See, I want to see Cat Grizz too. Not this year. Pass. Not this year. Maybe sometime, maybe. But this year, I want to knock them out of the fucking playoffs, beat them. To end all this Light nonsense them on about fire. them, you know, <laughs> this three-game streak Keep against three grave. bad Grizz teams, you know, want to reestablish the pecking order. Let's get this done. So, uh, Montana State, they lose 16-12. to 12. And they lost in, like... Blocked punt. I mean, the, yeah. if I was a Cat fan right now, I would be... I would have reached my limit with Choate. And I actually... I'd like to think as an outside observer, I would have reached it already. But, you know, I also was on the Stitt probably deserved another year bandwagon. So who am I? Uh, I, I think they're a fraud. Like, how can they in year four be this inept on offense? And he clearly can't have experienced coordinators. He runs them off. Yep. Sure yeah, does. I mean, he... Ran off an elite defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And, well, last year, and he fired Bob Cole and promoted Matt. And it was like, because Miller. Bob Cole yeah. and the other guy were fighting or infighting or something. Right, right. But really what it clearly was is, I mean, from the outside, it's, it seems so obvious. It's that Choate didn't like guys that questioned him in the room. I mean, it makes no sense to me. Do you think Choate gets a pass at all for having so many injuries? You know, like, Infonse's definitely dinged up. Anderson's dinged up. What do you think? 
I think that we just won a game with our backup quarterback where he went 20 of 29 for 179 yards, a touchdown with no turnovers, and we are sitting here debating on whether that was a good game or not when that would actually be like the third or fourth best start of a QB for MSU this year. And honestly, the their per-game average, I think Cam's above it. So... <laughs> I would say this. I think Chris Brown's a better QB than any of the QBs, which, like the true QBs as a passer on which, the Bobcat roster. Which who blows me away. passed over. The freaking choke passed on this local Bozeman kid as a QB, didn't offer him. And it's like, just from the practice I've watched him, it's like, I, I think I said to you right away in fall camp, I said, yeah. I don't know if this kid's ever going to be a star, but he's looked good enough in fall practice that there's no reason not to offer him money if he's in your town. Oh my god, like a hometown kid. It's especially like that. It's just I mean, I don't know. Chris Brown throws a good ball. And we we've kind of talked about this, of course, the Grizz have some high profile verbal out of Hamilton. Uh what's the last name? Rostad, Rostad. I think it is. Yep. But it's like Chris Brown this fall did not look like a brand new 18-year-old straight out of high school QB in the system. And we had a little stretch where we got to see him run with the twos. Yep. And he's making throws. And I'll tell it's like we talked about this earlier where we we joke Graves is the backup QB, but you know, Chris Brown dressed and he did warm-ups and I really think that Chris Brown was the backup QB this week. Now, that being said, it's complicated because you're not necessarily going to put him in and, and waste one of his games for his red shirt year. Right, right, right. But I I mean, I think that the coaching staff is very pleasantly excited and surprised by what Chris Brown is showing. <laughs> we all know the game Chris Brown's going to play on. Oh, he's. I mean, I think we talked about this on the pod a couple weeks ago, but I, Bobby, you know Bobby thinks about these things. I would love nothing more than if Bobby's goal is to make Chris Brown be the first guy that scored or throw in five touchdowns or touchdown in five consecutive Cat Grizz games. I like the idea of first drive of Cat Grizz. We take it down to the one yard line and Bobby subs in Brown just to sneak it in. (laughs) Three sneaks. sneaks. Just put it in there. Put it in there. Sorry, Dalton. You just need need your touchdown. That's it. Oh, I think the team would buy into it, though. The oh freshman God. from Bozeman oh rub it into him. Yes. They'd be all about it. So I think that Bozeman, I don't know. I, MSU needs some credit for, I think, trying its best to give its athletes the ball. Like, it's tried some creative ways. Do to, they, though? I think they do. The Travis Johnson, uh-huh. they still run <laughs> offensive plays with Troy Anderson. Two of them. Well, I got a question when you're done. And I, I just kind of think that their inability to recruit quarterbacks, like you mentioned um, once on Missoula's ESPN radio, you detailed how poorly Choate recruits. <laughs> okay, well, I said Choate doesn't recruit quarterbacks. Somebody named Jasper said the rest, <laughs> and I got blamed for it on Bobcat Nation. So Is this I, the Jasper that sends me Drake quotes uh, via Twitter? Possibly. Maybe. No Maybe. one knows. Okay. <laughs> no, no comment. One, no one no could possibly know. Um, but I think, I think the failure um, has really handicapped some creativity that I 
I think I've seen from time to time in the MSU offense. I mean, that's fair, but at some point mm-hmm. you got to own the. Fi- I mean, it's like part of being able to be creative is getting the guys. Yeah. And I will say, I actually think that if they don't start Troy Anderson at quarterback this week, they're not smart coaches because I think it's so clear. He's he is their best not, chance to win. Yeah, he's right? their best no. chance to win. Yeah, he had some sacks this week, and he's obviously doing well on defense, but it's like, what's the most important position on the field? QB. I mean, they need to be starting him. Water boy. Water boy. <laughs> but then my other question to your second point about Travis Johnson or whatever, it's like he, he transferred in from Oregon, he broke his foot, and he missed spring ball, and then they moved in receiver. And now they're giving him snaps at quarterback? It's like, could he be any – it's like – could he be any worse so, than any of these guys? Like, MSU plays Southern Utah this week. I mean, will they have to resurgent play? Resurgent Southern Utah. Coming off a fucking tidal wave high. Will they have to play Troy Anderson to beat this team? I don't think they do. <laughs> no, you're probably right. Like, you, I mean, they, this is probably enough, another Tucker Rovig game, but who knows? Yeah, I think they're going to try to get Tucker, you know. His swagger back. And then after that, they play fucking Northern Colorado. In Northern Colorado. Trap game. <sighs> see, I, I think we're going to see Tucker Rovig from the, from them for two weeks. Then MSU is going to eat a loss versus UC Davis. And it'll be a long time since we've seen a Troy Anderson set. And we'll see, like, no holds barred Troy Anderson at the Cat Grizz. I would agree with that. I mean, I don't know. I just, I mean, we're t- we've talked about the cats enough for this, but I just, if I was a cat fan, I would really be questioning things right about now. And if I was a cat player, like, if you're a Montana kid who plays offense, why would you go there? Uh, maybe you're into engineering. That's the only reason. That's a, that's a valid. You want to go like into eggs. What dad agrees with you? Yeah. So Southern Utah, the number one statistical pass defense in the Big Sky. The number thirteen statistical rush defense in the Big Sky. They this allow, is in Bozeman. I mean, Bozeman's going to crush them. It's going to be Troy, it's going to be the Troy Anderson show. We'll see. All right, any other who's games? On, who's on big takes? Are either of you guys on big takes tomorrow? I'm not. We we won't know until Rory texts us <laughs> yeah. like, at noon tomorrow. Dude, which one of you guys can do it this week? <laughs> who can do it? It's like the Anderson might be a might be a sexy pick. Hey, who won the fantasy matchup? Did you? Between no, me and Luke? No, no, no. Uh, last week. Were you on it? No, maybe well, I've not. Been on no, that was two weeks ago. No. Never mind. Okay, off track. Um. Cats are going to run the ball a lot. They should win. But yeah. Southern Utah suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, let's pick the rest of the Big Sky and then roll into the Grizz uh, Portland game at the end. How's that? Sounds good. Okay. All right. So we have um, Idaho off a of bye, <laughs> taking on Cal Poly at home <laughs> in Idaho. In Idaho, with Mason Petrino at QB, correct? Or are they going to play the freshman? Oh, who knows? Maypaw. Um, I mean, Idaho's splits at home are pretty good. <laughs> Idaho's going to beat Cal Poly at home. Yeah, fuck it. I'll take Cal Poly. This is one of the... Are we buying into the Nugent paradox? Does Idaho view themselves above Cal Poly? That's val- I mean, that's valid, which is why 
Maybe it should be closer than it is, but I mean their their road home splits are not good. Um, I'll take Polly. I don't care. I'm gonna take Idaho off a bye. They've got this. I don't know. I'd like to hope so. We know two. But, I can think of two teams that are zero and two off their bye. I will <laughs> say with, with the Nugent Paradox. Did you guys see that the the guy that covers Idaho for the like Lewiston Tribune or whatever like yeah. basically wrote a, a column? Yeah. Well, because Petrino said it on yeah. it, and it was just like, man, you guys should be listening to the pod. I've been talking about this for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Way ahead of you guys. We. We filed lawsuit against him. Yeah, we let him know. Loosed in Idaho District Court. Actually, somebody pointed out to us on Twitter, and we suggested <laughs> that he'd enjoy the pod. So if you're if you're listening this week, Colton, welcome. Welcome. All right, then we have uh, Northern Colorado going to Idaho State. Who cares? I mean, literally, <laughs> who cares? I'm going to pick Idaho State who just because I really don't. I mean. The interesting thing that I think is kind of happening is I think Idaho State's QB has been exposed since the Chris <laughs> <laughs> And they need a QB, which is, I think, an interesting dark horse in the Gresh Jensen transfer uh, 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 lottery next mm, offseason. Yeah, Jacob Nipp's 10th year is up, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, think about it. Farreter was his coach here. So He's a say, wide receivers coach. I'm just he called the plays last year. No, didn't sell. No, sell did you right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Brent, I, I I'm gonna say Idaho State. I'm just I'm gonna go contrarian here. I'm gonna go Northern Colorado. Ooh. I just want teams that we played up, to win some damn ramp games. Up. Oh yeah. <laughs> Where did you you said you mentioned our strength? The schedule is fourth right now. We're you should see shape. if you can find that because I think that'd be an interesting thing yeah, to talk on, about. This game reminds me of. The only NFL game I've ever seen uh-huh. live, which happened to be Drew Bledsoe's final game. It was uh, Dallas versus Rams, last game of the season. Nothing on the line. There's never been a lower energy affair. Like, I have been, I've been to like un, like a hundred university meetings that were more exciting than this. <laughs> <laughs> like, how many people, that's what we should be guessing. What's the over-under on attendance at this game? Oh, Jesus. North of 6,000 people. So, uh, they're not going to get 6,000. They, they, in Idaho they State, in Pocatello. Have they gotten 6,000? It's less than 6,000. No, okay, less, less, less than 2,000? It'll be over two. Well, okay, over-under 4,500 people. Under. Over. There's split. Okay, okay, uh, Brent... <laughs> Brent is over, Ooh. Mike is under. No, opposite. Oh, wait. I'm under. Under 45, Mike's over. Brent. I'm going to drive poke tell him fucking count people. Because it's going to be like that. <laughs> Mike, do you want to go to poke <laughs> Um All right. Uh, I'm still debating Portland, actually. So uh, Next game, we have... Weber State going to Sac State. Man, that oh is a tough God. game. So this it's Weber at Sac. Sac's hosting. <sighs> what a game! I this this is a must watch. Like Brent mentioned earlier, when when the Grizz game wraps up, flip over to Weber. Don't make any late plans on Saturday. It's gonna be cold. <laughs> it's gonna be dark. It's gonna be awful. Just put something in the crock pot. Though. What should be good though? Yeah, yeah. I like it. <laughs> what? 
What are you talking about, Mike? <laughs> Freaking Weber Sack Steak game. You like it. Yeah, I said it should like be good. It. I like it. It's going to be good. Yeah. Just hunker down on Saturday and know that you're in for the long haul. Mike, who do you got? Man. So my my gut tells me that Sack at Home is just going to continue their run. My logic tells me that Sack cannot play at this level forever. Like it just it's bound something is bound to give and if they're going to lose i think it's this week so i'm going to pick weber i think weber's defense can stop him you think weber's defense is better than our defense yes i do yeah, absolutely significantly do you i don't know that weber's defense is significantly better interesting right? interesting I think I think it's got a p value higher than significance. <laughs> p value set at 0.05. Sorry. All right. Let's see what happens. I'm gonna go sacks. Sacks at home. Kevin Thompson is a better QB than Jake Constantine. Elijah Dotson is probably not as good of a running back, but I think he's a broader threat than Eastern's Davis. Okay. And I think Sack's D-line is better than Eastern's. All right. I'm going Sack. Yeah, I, I don't buy the rationale that a team is like primed for a loss just because they haven't fair. They, they haven't lost yet. I just don't think you can win the way Sack's been winning forever. I do imagine a scenario where if the Grizz defense was a little better, it would have been a, like a, an yeah. overall game changer. Yep. Like, but the Grizz had a better offense, so that's the, yeah, yeah. I don't I, know. Like I said, I, I like my think, gut tells me Sack's gonna win, but I picked Weber for some reason. So I'm gonna take Sack at home. <laughs> okay. Um, what do you guys think of that stupid rumor floating around about um, Thompson grad transferring here next year? <laughs> I mean, that I was about my reaction too. Dark. It's like, why would he? Why would you do that? It's like you've got the most inventive play caller in the league. Like, why would you grad transfer here? And all your but, guys around you come back. But yeah. wait, no, no, no. But that's the thing, though, is he can't play there, right? Yeah, he's no, got he, one more year. He can play there. He doesn't have to transfer. He's got one more year. He got two. He asked for two, and they gave him they two. They gave him two. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Anyway, stupid. Okay. What's next? I, one, I love the rumor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested. My eyebrows are... uh, (laughs) They've peaked a little bit. They've peaked. Okay, next game, we have NAU going to Eastern Washington. So this, I think, this this tilts in the fulcrum of whether or not we think Eastern's a pretender. Well, both teams are pretenders this year. But NAU still has playoff hopes. they got to win out. But their defense is not good. Terrible. And it's in Eastern, dome teams, cold. Um, I'm picking Eastern. I'm going to pick Eastern, too. Oh, all right. I'm going to pick Eastern as well. I just can't see NAU. Interestingly enough, NAU jumped to number four in the power rankings of the the Montana Mid Big Sky podcast network power rankings above Eastern. 
and I think that we were trying to kind of explain it a little bit, and I think it's just that it's tough. they won a game and like everybody else in that group lost. So everybody like, what lost. do you do? Yeah, and it, so that was because I think all three of us are voters in that. But it was like one, two, three, one, Weber, Sack, Montana. And then of the next six, one was on a bye, Idaho. One team won, NAU, and all the others lost. I can't remember MSU, where I voted any of them. Eastern, so I really yeah. I feel like I feel like I put cats at four. I might have put NAU at five so or I didn't six. Put the but, cats at four because I mean it's like they've been exposed a couple weeks. Ago. Yeah, it's like but like but Eastern's on a couple games skit. No, they're not. But I don't know. It's just it, hard to it, say. If, it really feels like there's three teams, and there's maybe two that could argue for that fourth position, which is Cats and NAU. And beyond that, it's just like, forget about it. Yep. What's next? What's next? Let's see. We have Southern Utah <laughs> and Montana State. Oh, Montana State's going to win Cats, this game. Yeah, I mean, Cats are going to win. But even if how right. great would it be if Southern Utah won the game? I would die. Like, I, so even it's even early, if we don't we, see, you know, Anderson a quarterback, will they win with Rovig? If they, they run the ball, win this game. If like, they run the ball, but if they're like we got to pass, then they're. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting on Infante to get healthy, which will probably be for Cat Grizz. I guess my question is, how many games has Infante played this year? He was a true freshman last year. Like, at some point, do they not bring him back? If he's only played four, do they not bring him back? <laughs> not, not if you're Choate and your job's on the line. Oh, he just he got a three-year contract extension. It's going to be a tough one. <sighs> All right, does it matter? How much does it matter that this is home for Montana State? I think it matters a lot. I mean, I think that... The Montana teams play better at home than they do on the road traditionally. They're going to have a lot of fans there. You don't have to travel. I I just think that it it matters. Where's where does where's like Cedar City, Utah, geographically in Utah? Is it warm there? Are they going to get a little shocked with the cold? You know, I don't actually know. I, I don't have a lot of extensive travel plans outside of the Salt Lake City Airport. Yeah. <laughs> um, we drove to Weber once. You know, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say MSU wins and covers whatever spread is put out there. Yeah. I mean, I just I think MSU is a program that beats bad teams, and Southern Utah is a bad team. So I think that MSU is gonna win. I think they'll have a good win, and. It'll tell us nothing about them as a team. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, and that brings us to the final game of the week. So this is one that drives me nuts because I read Brent's, you know, <laughs> game plans. And wait, I, where do you read those at? Um, uh, Egress. People still read Egress. I know it was the middle of the night. Oh god. Um, <laughs> People say they love my posts. People on Egris. They love Egris. A lot of people are talking about how much they love my posts on Egris. <laughs> um, <laughs> I go all over this great country and people everywhere tell me. They are telling me that. <laughs> I, it's, Portland State's an anomaly because they've got talent. They've beat teams. Their schedule's shit. Garbage. I mean, their most impressive win is against who? 
um, Idaho. Right? Yeah. And who, who, other than that, I mean, they've beat beat, an AI team. NAI, D2. D2. Canadian D2, right? Canadian D2. Um, And then they beat Southern Utah. They beat Idaho. Northern Colorado. Yeah. And they've lost to... NAU. NAU. Idaho State. Idaho State. Then Arkansas. And uh, Boise. And Boise in the preseason. And they played Arkansas somewhat closely, so everyone yeah. just kind of fell Lost by them. seven. But, Opening week, though. But uh. what? how many points did they give up to Idaho State? 51. I mean, I just... It boggles my mind... They gave it 51 to Idaho State. We crushed Idaho State. Idaho State just lost to Southern <laughs> Utah and Idaho in back-to-back weeks. Like, I mean, they may be good, but nothing about anything on their schedule tells us anything. The schedule, and we look yeah. at their stats, and people talk about how their defense is ranked this. and well, They play two freaking NAI teams. Yeah, between the two NAIA teams, they allowed um, 16 points and scored... Oof. What would that be? 129. And didn't you say against one of them they had a negative 60-something yards? Yeah. I mean, that it, <laughs> for averages in a football game Simon season Frazier, when we're yeah. eight games into it? I mean, like, come on. It's tough. I, Portland's tough. I mean, they're undefeated at home. But, again, those home games are Simon Frazier, Eastern Oregon, uh, Southern Utah, and Idaho. Like, that's, that's not a – those are four home games you better win. Uh, but they're five and four. They're probably not a playoff contender, especially the NAU loss, because even if they win out, they'll. Yeah, they they'll, needed. They were in a position where they needed have to like win out. Five qualifiers. They needed to win the conference, basically. Yeah, basically. I mean, they their first Division One win came when they beat Southern Utah, I think. And so that was uh, that was in October. That was three weeks ago. Their first Division One win was three weeks ago. Now that's, I mean, yeah, but um, they did beat us last year. They beat us last year. They spoiled our homecoming, and we should have beat them. We it was them. so fluky. It was a tough game, but so Four this fumbles. is the interesting thing. So Portland, Portland State runs a, a weird defense, the flex. Mm-hmm. Dalton Sneed and the Grizz offense last year had a hell of a time figuring out this flex. What we had like a deep shot to Toure, and outside of that, like the offense was pretty stymied. Um, I'm going to guess it's Cam Humphrey, considering Dalton was on crutches and in a boot. So um, we will it, – it's it's going to be fascinating because Portland State appears to have a better defensive line. I'm not going to say a Sac State or a Weber or a Montana State-level D-line, but they got a good D-line. they got a couple big guys. They, they, they share – Handful of sacks, tackles for losses, and, and they're big. They're 300 pounds. They, they, they've got guys that kind of pass that eye test and so far seem to be doing good. And then the flex defense, it's weird. Like it's four guys up, and then there's a fifth that kind of roams around. Um, they show a lot of stuff, and they back out of it. Um, this is going to be a very different test for this Grizz offense. And I think Portland, I don't think I have it in front of me anymore, but uh, – Portland State's got one of the better rush defenses, but again, consider the opponents. But they've got one of the better statistical rush defenses in the conference. So will this power game work? I mean, I'm going to guess we're going to stick to it, especially with Cam at QB, but um, they're going to pose a bigger test. 
How many times this year has like our special teams rolled out there, field goal or punt, and you go, this is a time for a fake. And then you're like, wait a minute. No, no, no. Bobby's not going to fake in this situation put something on film. I think this is the week we can see some tomfoolery on special teams. I think the Idaho game might be too, but yeah. Yeah, I could see that. We might need it. We could. I, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I, I still am just too jaded from the past six to seven years of what we've had. But I I feel like this is going to be a tough game. I think I I think Portland's defense is going to cause trouble. I think it's going to be a slow start. Um, their QB is and their offense is a system we've not seen this year. That's the other interesting thing. So typical Portland State, they got a QB that can sling it a little bit and can run it a little bit, and they've got one of the better running backs, this Hoffman kid, who I think's been a regular. Big Sky Big Takes fantasy football pickup. Um, they can run the ball well uh, between the QB and between the running back. Now, our I think our rush defense is good. Our safeties are better built for rush defense. But um, we also get fooled a lot with trick stuff, and they've got a tight end that uh, th- this guy is uh, – what's his name? I can't, I'm blanking out his name. Oh, boy. Uh, Charlie. We'll just call him Charlie. <laughs> Fucking Charlie. Uh, Ta- uh, Tamapeo. And this guy is, he's an NFL draft pick. Like, I saw something and I tweeted at it. I was ang- I angry tweeted at Craig Haley a couple weeks ago because he shared something that pointed out, like, the top FCS prospects. And uh, uh, Tamapeo was, like, number four. And Dante Olson wasn't on the list. And I was like, this is bullshit. And then, like, I pull him up. It's like, oh, wait, this guy's the real deal and we haven't it's tough to say i mean oregon throw oregon out i don't know if we've faced like an athletic dangerous deep threat tight end like this guy so i think this game poses a lot of interesting matchups that we've not seen we if we handle it great if we can take the run game especially away from uh uh what's the qb alexander and make him more one-dimensional i like the way we look but yeah yeah if you could do like a better version of like keys to the game than Sean Rainey does, uh, <laughs> what would you say? The Grizz, if they do these three things well, they're most certainly going to win. I mean, both sides of the ball. Stop the run and establish the run. Like on our side, run the ball and, and take away Portland State's ability to be a running threat. I think those are probably the two biggest points. And I think like like you said though, Luke, um, the special team side. I think I think the Grizz always hold an advantage. Brandon Purdy is a is one of the better kickers in the big sky. Uh, Adam Wilson's one of the better punters. Jerry Louie is maybe the best punt returner, and Malik Flowers is the best kick returner. So it feels like it's a line of scrimmage run game on both sides, establishing it and stopping it, and making sure the special teams does this thing. Speaking of special teams, what did you think of um, how trotting out a new return where we brought back, um, was it Foster? Yeah. To kind of be the up back on the punt returns <laughs> to kind of try and offset some of that roll to your right and kick it off like that? 
He had a fair catch. For... And on that fair catch, he might have. If he hadn't fair caught it, he might have had some room, actually. So he wears 28. Do one of the Wynn brothers wear 28? I don't know, but I don't think it's fair to put that on anybody. No, I just got some terrible flashbacks. Where I was like, and so Peter and John, like good kids, good running backs, but oh my god! I thought it was clever to answer Mike's question. <laughs> yeah, I think, finally. I think it's there not easy yeah. to make an adjustment like that on the fly and to do it well. I mean, we saw Eastern Washington have a player muff of return. Um, Bobby had the confidence oh, Peter to, make was 28. An, to make an adjustment on the fly. It worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think the attention to detail that these Bobby Houck coach teams have is is sort of next level. So, uh, like uh, to echo what Brent said, I think we have an advantage in the special teams dimension every game we play this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Peter Winmore, 28. So, fair. C28. Little short guy out there to return a punt. It's like, oh my god! So we see, I did think too that he had room to return that, but I was wondering if like, but there's some level where it's not safe. It's like you run it. I mean, it's like the ball. Yeah. Well, it's hard enough to return when you have all the players in front, front of, of you. you. But yeah. if you're like juking and buying time, and you've got players barreling down from behind you. Ball security becomes an issue, I think. Foster did have one kick return, and I know we're, we're kind of backtracking here, but he had one where he showed some great straight line speed. I don't know, on the punt return side, I'm sure it was just having a hands guy out there to catch a short. He's a true freshman, too, isn't he? <sighs> no, wasn't mm-hmm. he the – is he the UTEP kid? That oh, okay, there? okay, that could be. Because Solcer's been out the last two games, so that's why we're Correct. seeing, seeing yeah. that a little bit. Um, so we've talked a little bit about – Portland State and what they do, and and they're just such an anomaly because Brent, I nothing in my gut disagrees with you that they always play us close, and this is going to be a close game, but it shouldn't be. Like it should not be. Like why is it that we play down to Portland State, but Idaho State crushes them? This I think is not like last year's game is not an apples to apples comparison. No, because we're going to have Cam Humphrey on the field. That's I mean that's the first reason. And this iteration of the Grizz, this 2019 iteration, is better than the 2018 iteration in a lot of dimensions. But the most significant difference is if we're playing Cam Humphrey, this is this is new. You know what, though? Cam Humphrey, Eastern Washington Cam Humphrey on Saturday played a better game than Dalton Sneed against Portland State last year. No. Mike? What did you just say? <laughs> See the thing about the thing about no, last not, year. I, I, so single game, Portland State homecoming, Dalton Sneed last year. Take that beer Eastern away Washington. from Brent. <laughs> Take that beer away from Brent. This is the whiskey I started with. Uh, it, or Eastern Washington Cam Humphrey. Well, Eastern Washington Cam Humphrey because Dalton Sneed had at least one. Like, did he fumble he, at the end of the game? Well, yeah, he fumbled. He, he airmail. No, he, uh, 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 there was a receiver fumble. He, no, well, he fumbled, he fumbled the ball, and the receiver fumbled last year. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily hold like a quarterback fumble against the way a quarterback plays in general. Those things are sometimes kind of fluky. As a pattern, you you start to hold it against someone, but. Fumbles when when you fumble yeah. the ball, this is an NFL statistic, not a NCAA statistic. B- 
but when the ball hits the ground, it's like a 50-50 proposition. Mm. So you look at like a team's recovery percentage and whether or not it's over or under 50%, you say if a team's got lucky or unlucky. We got unlucky in that Portland State game, and their kicker blasted a long field goal at the end. But, like, we should have fucking smoked those guys. And we had had multiple – but that was – we've talked about – I think, Mike, you talked about this last week or the week before. That was, like, the last kind of game last year where it was, like, whatever the game plan was or the position or or the game that Sneed played, it was, like, the last, like, just super ugly start to finish – now, he had stretches that were still bad, and he's had a few that carried into this year. I'd say before he got hurt, the, you know, some, of the, some of the stretches in sack looked pretty bad. But um, I don't know. That, so that's just like the thing. I now, take- granted, now get this year's Dalton Sneed? Oh, hell yeah. Like if we had 80% or better Dalton Sneed for this Portland State game, I'd be the thing, We don't know what we yep. have in Cam Humphrey yet. Yeah. I would take last year's Dalton Sneed with this year's offensive line over whatever oh, yeah. we have this year with Cam Humphrey. Okay. Absolutely, yes. Okay, I get what you're saying. But okay. I guess, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I just don't believe that Cam or that Dalton Steed's going to be back against Portland State. So, I mean, I, I guess the real question is, what offense are we, what's the plan? What What's the game plan for Cam Humphrey against Portland State? I mean, I think it's a benefit to him, even though he didn't play in Portland State last week, last year. I mean, he was in the room. They watched all the film. They've now seen it. You know, he was on the side. It's like, you know, that matters because last year they just hadn't played him in a while. Yeah. And so, you know, it was new to all of them. Um, I really, I, I mean, it's like we talked about it last week. It's a Cam Humphrey has a better arm than Dalton Sneed. True. He likes to chuck it deep. They did not do it last week. I really think they are going to test Portland State deep. Over and over again. Portland State leads the FCS in takeaways. They have a safety with four interceptions. How many of those takeaways are against uh, um, the two <laughs> non-FCS level? Um, I know they took six away from one of them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like their stats, their average stats are so ridiculous because you might as well just... You know, it's like yeah, yeah, negative sixty nine yards just will do anything. It's it's why it's impossible, and I've thought about this a hundred ways to do an FCS fantasy football league. Is is the season you have eight FCS opponents guaranteed because you have Portland State playing down for two of their sh- mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it's not the same. It's you can't. You they can't took do four it. away from Idaho, Mason Petrino. Yeah, Mason Petrino would be a great NAIA quarterback. Yeah, I was going to say the Idaho fans might agree with us. <laughs> uh, so anyway, okay, not to say, but I mean, you're right. Like that's a good point. But I mean, you just told me that their uh, their rush defense only gives us a hundred yards a game. So mm-hmm. we got to do something, Brandon. We do, but but you just said this too. Like Eastern's weakness was their pass, not their rush, and we. We saw on film that, um, well, we uh, we didn't see on film, but the coaches saw on film that um, there's a way to attack that Eastern defense. So they're giving up 100 and how many yards a game? Yeah, that's tough questions. Um, rush defense, 109. I would almost be willing to bet you we have more than 109 yards rushing in the first half. First half? Yeah. 
Like, I really think this is going to be a, a Hauk's going to set out to right some wrongs and, like, expose them. I, I could believe that. And and here's the one thing. It's funny, like, you think about, like, we always try to draw equations to prior years. 2008, we go on the road to Weber State, and it's ugly. We just, we play bad football. We get the shit kicked out of us. The next week, who do we play? Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. And we win, but it's kind of it's a little wonky. It's good, but we kind of pull away late. It's it's not like the most sexy win. And then after that, like it didn't it didn't fucking matter. Like we figured out the recipe. We knew what we were doing. It's November. It's time to play the best football, and that's what Bobby wants. And this game will be in November. It, it like it's dumb to be like. The 2019 team is just going to mirror 2008, and here we go. But it's like you feel like this Eastern game proved that we've got an O-line and we've got a run game, and it doesn't matter who's a QB because we're going to be able to run the ball. And then if we get Dalton back, (laughs) look out. Do you think it's advantageous for the Grizz against Weber and MSU that we're going to have maybe two weeks – of game film without Dalton Sneed. Maybe. I don't know. I think in a way, I mean, I think there's enough game film that our offensive tendencies with Sneed are going to be out there, but I do think that it's going to give a certain level of like, we'll throw some of that stuff out the window because you can't be sure what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, let's freaking make our pick, huh? It's only been nine hours. Um, We're not even an hour or two yet. <laughs> Barely, right? Bear Tycoon, calm the fuck down. <laughs> so I am going to go out there on a limb and say we're going to win on the road. What? What? Huh? Um, no, I'm, I'm picking the Grizz. I, I just I don't think they're going to lose to Portland State two years in a row. And I want to make it clear. As like critical as I've been of Cam this podcast, I, I think he's... A good quarterback and better than a lot of quarterbacks. See, I don't think you've been critical at all. I think that we just had an honest discussion on. Oh, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say you've been critical at all. <laughs> well, hopefully, I think Cam's a, listening because we I, had a good conversation about him. I think he's a good quarterback, and I honestly think um, MSU might murder someone to get him. <laughs> yeah, the, I I believe that. Like, I actually I believe Cam is a better QB than anybody on their roster. <laughs> uh, and Brent, I guess you have Portland State. Yeah, I'm gonna go Portland State. Um, no, I'm not. No, I. So I picked Grizz by seven. I'm gonna guess our line's probably gonna be more than seven. So I'm gonna say Portland covers. Okay. But Grizz are gonna get the win, and and, and part of me just feels like sometimes you see some instances where Cam comes off a good win, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. We hit the road. Um. You know, you hate to bring it up, but uh, McKenna Simmons had a great damn home game, his first game, and then he hits the road to go to Portland in a downpour on a Halloween. Yeah, I know. I hate to bring up bad stuff like that, but damn, like that, that was, was a freak game. And, and, Port- and Portland was the was the sack Romano State of that year. I think they won. They co-shared the conference. They had a. They had like. I think they it was something like 24, 25 seniors, and it was a ton of drop downs. Like a handful of guys go pro, yep. and they get they get in the playoffs and they lose week one. Um, 
And, and their coach Barnum gets a five-year extension, and then they <laughs> haven't had a winning season since. So, um, but I, I think the Grizz, I, I, I believe the Grizz are going to do this. I think they're going to win the game. I believe Sacramento has not played the level of talent outside of some of their playoff games, uh, but it's been a while, and so I believe the physical nature of the Grizz is going to get it done. But I really. I feel like it's going to be. I feel like it's going to be close. I, I and when was the last time we went to Portland and we just smoked them? Hmm. Because we've had a few of these. I feel like where we've taken on some frustration on it. We did we beat them on the road in one of Stitt's years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if we, I, I feel like. I could be wrong. I feel like we beat him by a couple scores. Didn't we? Well, didn't Jensen go there? Didn't we beat him the year before last there? Was it? Yeah, it was last year. Let's see. Uh, let's see what the old gogrizz.com uh, statistical history shows. Yeah, that was when like we had a whole bunch of interceptions or something. So that was Stitz last year. So it wasn't obviously the previous year, but the year before. And I just go back. To, I mean, it's like. I know that playing the common opponent game is stupid and dangerous. So we beat Portland by 12. 45-33. But I mean... Never were trailing in the game. Nope, never were trailing. But it was always just kind of one of those ones like we were up 10-7. Then we stretch it to 20. And then suddenly it's 27-21. Then we make it 37-21. And then it's 37-27. And then it's 23-33. How we can possibly beat a Bengals team 59-20 (laughs) that beat them 51-24 and then somehow lose to them. It was a Bengals team before we broke them. It doesn't, but it doesn't make (laughs) sense. Well, and Portland, so Portland, the other thing you could add in, Portland was a win out and you can maybe make an argument until they lost to NAU and NAU goes down the field at the end of the game and maybe just like breaks their heart. So they might be a little demoralized and there could be, you see a lot of this, like um, they beat us last year. I think Grizz are going to be extra mad about this. I, I really doubt a lot of these guys have forgotten about, cause that was, you talked about this before, Mike, that was like a game that was just like, you know, Grizz win that game and maybe it, it turns the tide on the season last year, but that kind of puts them more in the same. And I feel like they're going to really focus on this game. So I'm going to say Grizz win, but uh, it's a little closer. A little, you know, we just feel a little more nervous. I think, I think with this this defense of Portland's, I think it's gonna it's gonna be tougher for Cam Humphrey to do like what he did against Eastern, uh, and it's gonna make it a little tighter. But Grizz pull away late. All right. We'll see what happens. Well, What's your pick? I picked the Grizz. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, he went out on a limb to pick I went out on a limb, brother. Yeah. We're going to do it. And I think, um, yeah, I think Cam's going to probably have at least two touchdown passes. I like it. And four, he's going to draw Portland State into four defensive pass interference plays. <laughs> yeah. But we could go back and talk about Camp's performance because he drew them off sides a couple times. Right? I mean, he like, must have a some, hell of a hard count. Yeah. Like, there were some things he did that are not typical first start type things. Okay. So let's move on to what is becoming one of my favorite sections of the podcast, yeah. which is the user questions. I know. It's crazy. I, what's so funny this week is that 
Brent usually posts the stuff on Twitter and on Igris fairly early in the day, and he hadn't done it. So Igris took it upon themselves to start the thread. So that means you guys are paying attention. You want to start with Twitter or Igris? Uh, you got Twitter in front of you, or you got, what do you have? I've got Twitter right Why in front Why don't you of me. go with Twitter, and then I'll do the Igris ones. Okay. Let's see. I do want to point out that uh, uh, Max Harrison looked for the replay official after we talked about it last week. <laughs> He's there in the yellow jersey. Um, uh, the danger at the danger zone. MT John Thomas asks us a question. JT. This is a dangerous one. JT, if Hauk doesn't leave for UNLV, does the enrollment problem at UM happen? Yes. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> oh, you want me to go first? I think that second. <laughs> I think that the the enrollment problem at UM is tied to so much more than just the. Um, football stuff that on a certain level yeah do i think that necessarily everything unfolds in the same way no i don't so i think we'd be in better shape it has been interesting <laughs> it has been interesting that um the msu enrollment has surged in the last three years as they have won the games um, well, they were surging before. They were that. surging before, though. They were surging before. So, but they MSU was kicking UM's ass in in state re, in state recruiting. I I think these are epiphenomena. Obviously, Grizz. Obviously, university enrollment can be correlated with football success. There's been several academic papers about this, but some of the things that led to the Grizz downfall. The excuse me, the University of Montana's enrollment downfall there you go. has to do with. I think like there's market forces at play, there's board of regents yep. issues at play with policies and funding models, and double double edged rules. Yeah, when- I, I I do think that UM had some leadership issues that, um, in my honest opinion, yeah. I I think have been corrected. I love our leadership team, um. I think that just it happened to be that Bobby left. You know, we were successful in the early flu grad years. I think Rice, you know, Rice Engstrom was hired the year Bobby left too. Right. Yeah. And and to be you know like I don't want to dance around this subject, but I think the the Jordy Johnson issue had definitely absolutely was a domino that well, exposed help other weaknesses in the system that we may not, that may not have never been tested otherwise. Um, But I I, I don't think it's as, I think it's too reductive to say Bobby leaves you and enrollment goes down. There's other things at play for sure. Um, Yes. Enough on that topic. Moving on. All right. So next questions uh, from a guy named Henry Chisholm, who's a, actually, I remember he wrote for the Kaiman. He's a UMJ school alum. He covers the Colorado Buffaloes now. So, We've we've got several uh, journalists from other communities who are Grizz fans asking a question. So UMJ school top ten in the country. I mean UMJ school. You talk about some positive things for this for this school right now, and that's one of them. Most so of we, my blue check mark follows are UMJ school people. That like yeah yeah. Just, <laughs> it's just I, I kind of enjoy because fo- I would follow them when they were they were coming guys, but then it's like I keep following them because they end up like. Covering the Lakers, or he's covering the Buffaloes. I mean, you know, it's like I mean, Ryan Divish covers, covers the, the Mariners, Mariners and yeah. Tyson Alger covers the Ducks. The Ducks for the Athletic. I mean, uh, Danny Davis covers the Texas Longhorns for the Austin Statesman. Yeah, it's just some cool guy, ones. Uh, yeah, 
There's some more too. Rick Sanchez, who works for WAPO. WAPO. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, yeah. Yep. We need to get Kevin Van Valkenburg as a follower. Do you remember Rob Lester? Yes, I do. His brother Roman writes for the WAPO. Great Falls alum, UM alum. UMG. His brother or his friend? His. Wait, did I say brother? Yeah. Roman Stubbs, right? Yeah. yeah. Roman Stubbs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he writes for the wall. Yeah, there's some there's some successful guys that came out of the J School program. Yeah. So anyway, so Henry's got some good questions, and I'm just saying it's awesome that you're listening. Um, the first question is, what is the ceiling for UM with Dalton at QB, and how much does it drop off with Cam filling in? So, I think the first one we've kind of answered this year. I mean, I, honestly, Dalton alone is a national championship QB in my mind. Yeah, no doubt. I, do we have the other pieces around him to get there? I mean, I think Sac State showed us that we're probably not quite there yet. But it's like, could the team get hot and get the right breaks? Maybe. I think he's that good when he's healthy. Agreed. I think we still, before we can chalk up a national championship, we could get better at the edge rush. We might be able to be better. You know, and one on one coverage at the yeah. at the cornerback yeah, level. Exactly. Offensive line could mature, but you're right. Sneed. He is a national championship caliber quarterback. Yeah. Many quarterbacks have won national championships that were worse than Dalton Sneed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just you know, and the team is busting their ass, and they're a lot better than we were. But I just I don't know. If it's and quite and there. I think Cam Humphrey. I think with this team around Cam. We could win a, a first-round playoff game easily. I think so. I mean, I think that, I, you know, I, it's hard to say what the drop-off is because they really didn't take the leash off off Cam that much this week, and right, it'll be interesting right, to see right, how his yeah. second start goes. But, I mean, it's Snead is special in what he does and, and what he brings to the team. So, I mean, I how much does it drop with Cam filling in? I just, I mean, I don't think that Cam... I mean, I guess the caveat I would say is like if Dalton C was out the rest of the year, that there's a potential that Cam could get comfortable and get better, right? And they could make a run. Yeah. But it's like if if Cam starts this week and then Snead comes back and then all of a sudden we've got to throw Cam in and like the third round of the playoffs on the road, like I, I think Snead's much more likely to win that game than Cam Humphrey. Yeah, and I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that, right? Yeah, now. I agree. And, and Cam, like Snead, adds a dynamic to the offense that we rolled out against Davis and moving forward as a designed rushing attack that we saw last year by necessity and this year by design. And Cam Humphrey got first downs and extended plays with his legs, but he's not a guy where we're calling a fake pitch go to the opposite side and yeah. take it to the house kind of thing. So I think Cam has a limitation. I, I And I'd say a first-round win, maybe a second-round win, like like could do a bit depending on the matchup. But I think you face a team where you have to put on the QB's shoulders. I've, obviously, like you feel a lot more nervous about Cam than you would. Like I feel like you're, you're in a Weber situation. This is like a Jake Constantine thing. It's just like, yeah – like he's got a game or two, he does a few things, but if he's getting rocked every play, blitz the shit out of, can he make those throws all the time? And this he needs to show more. This highlights a super interesting sports question that I think we all love either consciously or unconsciously. <laughs> and it's um, the way players get better every year. 
So, uh, for example, I knew I, I uh, Mike and I were roommates with a guy who played high school football against Croy Bierman, AJ Miller. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, AJ played for Billing Central. Go Rams! I don't know what they are. Yeah, I think they're the Go Rams. Rams. I don't know. Yeah. Him and Dan Merchant, Carrie Ann Lynch. You could finish this story, but then we got to talk about somebody else who played high school football against a Grizz player. They are the Rams. They're the Rams. Okay, so I remember AJ. I'm, I asked AJ, so what was it like playing against Croy Beerman? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know. Like, you know, we knew he was good, but it's not like we schemed for him like in any special way. Well, Croy Beerman, every year of his career, probably in, deep into his NFL playing tenure, got better every yep. year. Every year. And what you have to realize is these 20 year old men 21 22 23 year old men they're getting better with every exposure like the law of diminishing returns they've yet to meet that yield curve and frankly if they could play until they're 24 25 26 they'd probably keep getting better they've run out of opportunity due to the nature of professional sports but Mm -hmm. if cam was the quarterback from this week on I think every week he would get better. And with every week, our as long as our playoff hopes are still alive, the op, the odds that he fulfills some sort of platonic level of <laughs> uh of Grizz greatness for this year's team like is closer to the asymptote, the the, the high. Yeah. You know? I love no, no, that's the, that's the wrong. That's the wrong word. Asymptote is the bottom, the nadir. Right. I yeah. love where you bring this stuff. I guess, Pick I mean, try. I Pick could say try. just from, like, you and I seeing him, um, you know, he wasn't at spring ball that first year because Jensen was still here and they didn't need a QB. Right. So from fall of last year through last season, through spring of this year, into fall camp of this year, we definitely saw him progress. So there's no reason to think that with regular playing time, he wouldn't progress more. I mean, he clearly has shown that capability. But the other thing I will say is it was about this time last year where the Grizz went on the road and lost to North Dakota. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, a little, yeah. little before this point. And we were losing so bad that they pulled Snead and put in Humphrey. And do you guys remember after that game, after the pod after that game, I was advocating to just start Humphrey. Because <laughs> he like, had a couple <laughs> deep shots to Because I felt like he could take the deep shots to take advantage of our receivers. And I will say that it, I think something changed with Snead in that game where it's like they started making him throw the ball down the field more. But um, Humphrey can chuck it down the field. Like he had some nice throws to Cam in that game. He's got a good ball. And, and like you said earlier, I think he probably throws a pure downfield ball than Dalton Snead um, in that just singular dimension. Yeah. So the second part of this question from Henry is, um, how do you handica- handicap the QB competition for next year? Is Cam a lock to start, or do Graves or Rostad have a real shot? And then uh, Johnny Metropolis added said, add Chris Brown to that list too. So what do you guys think next year? Uh, whoever the transfer QB that comes in is going to be a pretty interesting prospect. <laughs> See, that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't think there's any chance that we are going into spring ball with senior Cam Humphrey, redshirt freshman Chris Brown, I don't believe Garrett Graves is going to play quarterback and true freshman, and true freshman roast. I mean, it's like there's a there's yeah. a transfer QB coming. What or who? I don't know. Juco to be a backup or drop down to compete to be a starter. I don't know, but Did, I think that's a big. You gave unknown. us a name a few weeks ago. 
Washington backup QB Sermon. Yeah. Well, that wasn't me. That was... um. Wasn't that you? I felt like that was you a few weeks ago. No, someone last week. Because they got it was wrong. It, it was one. It was, it was, it was Kyle. Guys. Yeah. So. Um. <laughs> Shout out to Johnny Metropolis. <laughs> yeah. I think Helena High. Okay. State championship cross country runner. Hey, Ooh. I like it. Yeah. No, you are such a resource for like these <laughs> Montana facts. Like I don't know why you. If it's the golden so triangle. <laughs> if it's the golden triangle. <laughs> he's got it. <laughs> if you're talking about class beer below, I'm your man. You're, you're, all right, I like it. So, but here's what I would say is. I think, I mean, as it stands right now, there's nothing that any of us would believe that Cam would be a good starter. So I, I think that just knowing Bobby Hawk's history, the odds are of the rosters is made up right now that it would take an amazing camp from one of those other guys to yeah. beat Cam. I will say that I think the coaching staff is pretty high on Chris Brown. Yeah, we talked about him earlier, but I mean, it's like they're excited about him. Yeah. You know, that collaboration he just did with Drake was pretty good, too, on No Guidance. Um, <laughs> Hell of a dancer. <laughs> Great dancer. Uh, anyways, uh, but, you know, interesting um, similarity, 2009, how can company have Andrew Sell coming up, played a lot of spot duty behind Cole Berquist. But just to be safe, hey, let's bring in this Roper kid from Oregon. And uh, just split some time just to make Cell prove that senior Andrew Cells got the got the chops to get it done. I I mean I'm not saying we're gonna bring in a Roper, but I could see I Roper mean, they, was such done, a tool though. I mean he has been he, interviewed post he shit on career the like where it was like, he's like he talked about was dumb like he went from throwing to real receivers at Oregon to throwing at like receivers a step down at. Montana fucking Mark Mariani was one. I mean, he went to the NFL. Like what, what happened is that you got exposed for being a shitty quarterback. And the only slightly redeeming quality that Roper had is that the grizzly basketball team was so thin that year that he walked on and played a few minutes. No, he didn't. It was a tight end. Wasn't it like Bowden? Or no somebody? Roper. I guarantee Dan, you look it up. Roper. Sure? Cause yep. Dan Bowden from Frenchtown. No, no, no. He was from no, that's failing. Roper, 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 Hobson? No, Ro- rostered. I don't, I don't know I if don't he got think, in the game or not, but he rostered. Look it up, guys. Look it up. Um, There's no way. So I, I think that if it is if it is just Cam, you're going to see Brown get some snaps next year. But tough to say. Oh. Noxon. Oh, he's right. Yes, Dan, I am. Dan Bowden was from Noxon. Bowden did play some basketball, though. And, and so did Justin Rope. And Bowden married Rupert. a girl from Conrad. Did Justin throw the ball over the backboard, too, like he did in football? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. All right, get, um, get your laser sound effect. Oh, that right. was like Johnny Metropolis had a had a great question. If you had a road trip, let's say eight hours, with one Grizz coach, past or present, who would you want to ride with, and what is the predominant genre of music you listen to? Head coaches and assistant coaches are all on the table. <laughs> I know okay. exactly who my answer I is. would roll with flu. Uh <laughs> Flu's. Oh, I I think Flu's kind of got that like Bill Walton uh, type. Uh, I don't know. I think, I, I think there are different Bo- genres based. Bobby on, like, hates like modern music. Like you'd be listening to like seventies rock with Bobby. I'm looking for the conversation. I'm not looking Hold for on. the music. Okay. I don't. I don't know that Bobby's <laughs> Flu be like wrong with like Mike Leach. Like you'd be hearing about weird conspiracy stuff, right? Oh, that'd be interesting. 
podcast, right? I think the answer is Gregorak. <laughs> oh, just to kind of one get an update on what really happened. One, he <laughs> seems like a fun guy. If you read, if you read anything about him in <laughs> Vegas, in Wyoming, in Wyoming, guns and strip clubs. Two, he is this like gregarious personality, right? Uh-huh. That seems like he would be good in a. You know, you know. I will say everybody I know who knows him really likes him, yeah, right? So, and well, then three, maybe you, maybe you know, like you let him ride shoddy, have a couple road pops, and he starts telling some stories. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, you know, that's a, a good question. Could go because it's like if you're looking for just like pure knowledge and just like where they've been and stuff like that. There are some guys who have been here that have gone on to do some interesting things. Like, what's his name's the head coach? He worked for Glenn. Um, Oh, the NC State guy, Yeah, the right? NC State uh, guy. Doran, Dave Doran. Doran. You know, and so, so some of these guys have went on to be really interesting places. Yeah. Uh, if it was current coaches, I'd pick Barry Sachs, just based on <laughs> Kyle's story from um, his coworker rode on a plane next to Barry Sachs a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and Barry Sachs <laughs> compared every position on the football field to wild, wild animals. animals. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear that story. <laughs> You know he was loud about it too, right? Did you just turn my dishwasher on? I did. This is a double use uh, studio we've Perfect. got here. Get some is that how on. you guys would uh, describe this in real terms? Because <laughs> I think yeah, the kitchen holds multiple there. purposes. Actually, we're at the Wahlberg House. It's a sex dungeon kitchen. Hey. <laughs> so it's an underground <laughs> kitchen. Why? Why are there hooks on the ceiling, Brent? <laughs> To hang meats, things, <laughs> <laughs> various salted meats. That's Again, great, we're deep enough into the pod that if, if yeah. you hear this part of the conversation, you really like us. you're in. We're you're an in. hour or two. There's like five people left that's listening, yeah. right? What's the next question, Mike? Um, question about Graves, if he's staying at QB or not. No. I think we've all kind of said we don't think so. Um, with MSU revealing last week that they had 21 commits, um, and only 14 are confirmed publicly. How many commits do the Grizz have? We only have five confirmed, but I'm thinking there may be more haven't announced. I always think this is kind of a weird thing because I would be shocked if MSU has 21 commits that they legitimately think are going to come there because that's got to be their entire recruiting class. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you're committing this early, you might be shitty. Or you might be holding it against someone else to give you something bigger. I'll tell you what. When I was a senior, I could have <laughs> Who'd you commit to? No. There there were a couple kid, there were a couple schools that came and and like offered this kid in my class named Kyle Carter, who I think could have played for the Grizz. He went and played for Tech and got a had a great career there, but if he wanted to, I think he would have walked onto the Grizz and earned himself some scholarship money. He was a stud. But while they were there, they were like, well, Luke, you could come walk on to our program. What, you know, come on, you play offense or defense, whatever, you know, like you're like talking about going to Northern. And I think like similarly, like if I was really into college football, 
I would have been like, yep, I'm yours. And it's November. Yeah. And, and one You know thing, what I mean? Like uh, the, the people who are saying, yep, I'm coming to MSU, it's the best offer they're going to yeah. get. And I would question, like the ones that aren't public, there's a reason. And part of it might be, it's like, hey, I'll, I'll come to you if nobody else offers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Choate's style, and we've talked about this before, and, and, and the people who follow recruiting definitely do. Uh, MSU offers way more kids than they've got scholarships oh they fire they yeah. just and, yeah. and they do it early and they just hope that the ones that pick them want to come it's like they're sending what up texts yeah. like and, and you know what he, he's you been up? a pretty decent recruiter in some ways so that works for him how does not do that so it doesn't surprise me that we have less commits publicly I, i'm not concerned about it i mean i think we're winning the battles in montana with yeah, them right now and absolutely. everything out of states it's just too early to tell and i there's nothing that the staff has shown us that tells me they're not going to get good guys out of state. Agreed. So. Agreed. Yep. Um, last one from Montana Bear 3. Uh, do we run the table the rest of the way? He says Bobcats are a given. I'm too superstitious to answer this question. <sighs> the answer is no. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. Like, I could see us losing to Portland State and beating Weber at home. Mm. I I could see that too. See that. Yeah, I could and, see that. You know, and I could it's the the more probable outcome is us beating Portland State on the road and losing to Weber at home. Yep. Um so I think it's probably I'm probably uh going too far like I'm I'm extending I'm getting too far over my skis to say no. We're going to run the table. And we're gonna win out. We probably have we probably in bold italicized font have one more loss in us. Yeah, I yeah. But you know, if we we ran the table, I think that's okay too. I mean, I, I think would it's I be okay. shocked if we ran the table? No, I mean, I think this team has the capability to beat everybody who's on their schedule still. But there's also, I think, I think three of the four could also in a world beat us sure what what's going to be interesting is we know what the what the big weakness for the grizz is and it's past defense right mm-hmm. so weaver state is the 12th ranked offense um in total in the oh. fcs or in the big in sky? the big sky sorry yeah they're even worse idaho's 10th uh, Portland's fifth, Cats are seventh, and so, and and then I think I'm gonna guess if you go down and you pull up pass offense, Weaver's twelfth, Cats eleventh, Idaho tenth, Portland eighth. So it's like attack the weakness. We're now shifting gears to face teams that hit more of the strength. Yep. So could we run the table? I feel like our odds are a lot better. Like if I was looking ahead and it was like we had to go to a, an NAU or go to an Eastern um, or even a weird like go to North Dakota, I'd feel less confident about it. But that that Weber game, <clears throat> even at home, um, Weber does all the stuff right. They 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 mimic a lot of what we do. They play good football as they get as they move on. We talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the odds to win four. I'd love them a lot more if we had a healthy Dalton right now. Yep. I, I, I'd say if we were, if this, if we showed this run game with Dalton Snead at QB and we had Dalton, 
it's tough to say what happens each week in and out, but if we knew we had a healthy, full speed, ready to go Dalton Sneed right now, I'd say hell yeah. Yeah. Because I think I think if Idaho was able to expose a little bit of Weber's defense, which they did, I think we could do more. But I just I don't. We'll just have to see. It, it, it's hard to say. I feel like I feel like there's another loss in these four games. That's a good point. And I think I've talked about this. I think we. I mean, this Portland game is not going to be easy. And while they're kind of the laughing stock because of what they want to do versus what they've shown Idaho gets up for the big games right and so they beat Eastern they played Weber tough they beat Idaho State their coaches come out and said we want to win these big games I don't think Idaho is going to beat us in Washington Grizzly but I think it's going to be one of these games where you can salvage your season with a win against Montana so there's going to be just some kind of fascinating things down the road Mm -hmm. and then the Grizz Cat it's just Cats could win. Cats could win one game, and it'll be a tough one. You know, so yeah. All right. Flip over the Egris side. Yep. Well, uh, so we should give a shout out to our guy Everett Grizz, who started the thread on Egris before any of us were able to. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to have uh, uh, fans, but I think Everett Grizz is one of them. <laughs> so uh, Everett asked a serious question. Uh, well, let's just say two serious questions and one fun question. So, question number one. Were we surprised that uh, Eric Berrier was was not more active and mobile outside of the pocket? Uh, seems we thought he could do more with his feet, but you watch the game, he never really ran. I think we kind of touched on this, right? Like, brace on the leg, seemed like something was up. I think brace on the leg and also, I don't think he wanted to get hit. <laughs> um, beer in the stadium. How do we feel about beer in the stadium? I love it in theory. In practice, I hate it. Interesting. You know, maybe a little bit of a libertarian at heart. Like, let me drink beer where I want to drink beer. Be responsible. But I do love the tailgate culture. I get you. And I worry that beer in the stadium will take away from, like... It would for sure, right? It like, would for sure. Like if you could at halftime, if you could just walk up to concession and get a get a cold one, get a get a Coors Light. And there's something about me that's or like a banquet. It's like I don't want to pay six dollars to the <laughs> Learfield UM entity when I can go get like a Bush Light outside. <laughs> you know, Coors Light outside, like a silver bullet. Give me a cold Coors right on the right. right. The tap. That's yeah. I would much prefer that culture than you know and. Honestly, unless UM tripled the urinals in the stadium. I I have actually heard that the suggestion of no readmittance once you're in, you can't leave and come back, is something they can't do because they do not have enough bathrooms to handle the size. I, I am privy <laughs> to some information that said the the Grizz were looking at adding like a like a structured urinal at the softball fields <laughs> last year, and it was going to cost them two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Can you imagine what it would cost to get adequate pee facilities <laughs> in Washington Grizzly Stadium? There's zero chance that they're gonna yeah. they're gonna be able to add that. 
Um, so I don't think the tailgate yeah. culture is at risk. I think luckily you just, you just add a big hole, you filter it into uh, you know some concrete mixing plant. Cats have their expansion coming up. Mix it in with their rocks, and it can help build their stadium expansion. Why not? Th- Why not? Uh, Everett's uh, other question was, um, how badly has the fame of his guest appearance gone to Mr. Titleist's head? You know, he's actually too good to answer our calls this week, <laughs> so you guys would know better than us. I saw him at the Grizz game, and I was like, hey, dude, you know, sounds like Brent's going to be skipping town in a couple weeks, yeah. and he's like... You know, I'm kind of busy, too, that week. I don't know. Maybe another week. <laughs> Talk like, to my agent. Whoa, dude. Whoa. Whoa. You better cancel plans to be on this shit. His show fee doubled. Um, okay. It's hard to double zero. Ready for the next one? Yep. Okay. Picture this. You're chilling at PR's lake house, and you hear two cries for help. No. No. So, obviously, we're on Flathead Lake, Finley Point. You see Bobby Houck and Jeff Choate both drowning. You can, only oh. s- you can only save one of them. The one you save will give you $100,000. Bobby's like, oh. I'm sorry to interrupt the question. He's like, oh, all my Big Sky Conference championship <laughs> rings are weighing me down. <laughs> Help save me. Help. I don't know what weighs Jeff Choate down. Um so okay so the one you save will pay you a hundred thousand bucks but you have to live the rest of your life as a diehard fan of the program for the coach that you do not save so if you save bobby you're a cat fan save choate you're a grizz fan and he goes on further to say if you choose hauk and become a cat fan for life your heart and mind still wants wait wait. Your heart and mind still wants to be a Grizz fan. So no ignorance is bliss kind of stuff here. This is from CBA. Okay, so first of all, both these men have families, and I don't want either one of them to die. I mean, I'm a Grizz fan, but yeah, whatever. That being said, since this is the hypothetical, and you can only save one, and there is no, there is no. Uh, <laughs> There's no human nature reason why you would pick one over the other. Um, it really comes down to, do you want the Grizz to be able to be successful with Bobby Houck and you not get to enjoy it? <laughs> or do you want to bank on them hiring another good coach and you get to be continue being a Grizz fan? Much similar to the Pluto question last week. The stakes are a little bit higher. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, I hate to say it, but I want to be a Grizz fan. I mean, you can only save one of them. All else is equal. I want to be a Grizz fan. Same here. I'd save Choate. Take the hundred grand. Cheer for the Grizz. Sorry, Bobby. You're dead. I, I'm not cheering for the Bobcats. <laughs> I, I can't do it. You know what? You know who else would pick this? Bobby Houck. <laughs> He's not cheering for the Bobcats. <laughs> Good point. Okay, uh, let's see. Moving on. Uh, do we rest? Need, do you rest? Need for the next two? Supposing Cam can stay healthy, and assuming he plays as well as he did against Eastern, even a sneak can go. I think that if if Cam beats Portland, then absolutely. Yeah. I think if Portland State beats the Grizz, Idaho becomes a lot more of a must-win. Yeah, I agree. Um, McGoran has. 
game left on the red shirt, do you play him or do you save it? <laughs> I did you last year. Mike was posed. We were posed this question with Gabe Sulcer. Sulcer. And yeah. Mike was so balls deep on playing Sulcer. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I thought it was bullshit then. I think it's bullshit now. I don't remember this. Yeah, I do. Mike, <laughs> I, I remember this. But I think that you're so much better when you have you absolutely fifth-year starters. Like, Guess who we had four years of? Zach Wegeman. Tyrone Holmes. Yeah, no. We want... Mark Mariani. I'm with we you. We want fifth-year dudes. I'm with you. I, I agree with you. I nothing drives me nuts more when fans say when you try and argue that they they wasted a redshirt year and there'll be fans. Well, did they contribute to the team? And it's like that's not the whole point. It's like you get five years and did you maximize their value to the program in all five years? Yeah, very rarely will one player be the like the do or die difference in your season. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this kid. Is going to be the do or die reason on this season, so you save him. I think while this this kid could be an upgrade over what we've got right now, I think he's more of a do or die impact the next four years full than he is this year. I save that fourth game for some point when you think you need him. I'm not 100% sure if playing in the playoffs just immediately eliminates it all or if the playoffs just count as another of the four games or not, but I sit him. Yep. Yeah, I play him. I play him. You know, weird things happen. You know, uh, especially when you're in the trenches like that, right? Like, you hate to wish or hope or think something like, but like, what if he plays one game next year and takes a a weird hit to the knee and he's out? And you get like, a medical red shirt. There you go. But but you but but like, I mean, we even had this years ago with Lex Hilliard winning towards ACL. And we got him back another year. I don't know. I mean, I think if, if they believe... Lex Hilliard played the whole year. See, that's the thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. My thing is if we're going to waste guys' red shirts, then they should have been playing the whole year. But I don't think they... Them. But I don't think they knew that McGoran was going to become a contributor like this immediately. Yep. What's up, Sammy? That's fair. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, was anyone injured? Seriously injured? Recording the chicken wine episode last week, Mike. No, no. I mean, I think that Brad's ego was injured a little bit just because, uh, you know, he's not as smart as he thinks he is. Brad's but, a little bit of a snowflake, anyway. <laughs> I was a little hungover. I think that chicken wine mixed with uh, it was cheap wine followed by beer. Yeah, screw top chicken wine, France's finest. I've got some hoot wine we need to drink. <laughs> oh. Well. Uh, okay, so I think 1972 believes he already knows the answer. But uh, past a barrier where he threw, got deflected, and caught it. At this point, he can only run or lateral. Is that correct? He already threw a forward pass. I believe that's rule. Is that right? I think so, right? Yeah, he that's threw the forward pass. Forward so pass. his only options are lateral or run. Yep. Or, like we talked about earlier, knock the fucker down. Like, anyway. Okay. Uh, another question from Cody Cleave talking about, um, you know, Bobby dropping some hints that Sneed might be getting closer. Is this a Bobby trick, you know, like trying to trick people? Um, do we feel Sneed on crutches and a boot was a show? 
for yes, I do believe that Sneed on Crutches at a Boot was a show. I just don't think it'd be a, a good idea I, I, to play him this week. Like, even if you can. <laughs> Here's the thing. Whatever is publicly presented by Bobby, Bobby Houck. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. I kind of thought Dalton Sneed would be in a, like, upper I thought he'd be in a wheelchair. Well, they should have given him a scooter. I thought just for the day, they went to the hospital and put, a like, a full-leg cast on him. Well, they probably did, and then the people at St. Pat's were like, yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> so, we're busy. Yeah, we got things to do. Honestly, do you? I mean, there's wheelchairs right there. Like, are they keep wheelchairs on the sideline, right? They they could have found a wheelchair for <laughs> yeah. sure, but pushed him out in a chair. I, I'll tell you what. If you're yeah, if you're Portland State, you're just try to ignore whatever you saw on the sideline because it's not what. Yeah, I mean, it's an M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan movie. But the Bobby. thing that's weird is, is we're so wrapped up in his Bobby playing games or not. He said in his press conference today that Snead is going to practice on Wednesday and Thursday, and yeah. then they'll evaluate him. Yeah. I just, I just, I mean, for what we need Snead for for this season, I think you got to give him at least another week. True, yeah. If it can help him be better for the final yeah. stretch, yeah. Okay, last question that we had, Igra, is um, how much extra attention given to the run game will help once Snead returns. I mean, I think it'll help to a point, but I don't think that running wasn't a threat already. So I don't I don't think that there's anything at this point that we're putting on tape that really helps or hurts how defenses play us. I mean, our the biggest X factor in the game when Snead is playing is Snead. Right? I mean, it's like we're throwing the ball well, we've got good receivers. In theory, that opens it up for the run. I don't think they're going to focus on the run too much because they're going to get torched passing it. So I guess I'm of the opinion that it's not a, as big of a deal as some people might think. Yeah. I, it helps. It, it diversifies the offense more. And I think, I think if anything, if it gave the confidence in the O-line that they can win a game – with controlling the line of scrimmage and running the ball, that'll go a long ways. And it was one game. It was Eastern. It was a bad-ish defense. So we, I, I think you look at the Portland, Idaho, Weber, Montana State, I think it's like the one, three, and four defenses. So we're going to see what we're really made of. But I think it, I think it helps. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think it's like this world-changing thing. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. That's our questions. All right. I uh I think that this pod has gone on long enough, honestly. I think that well, two hours forty minutes what I are you think kidding? that the listener questions are more exciting than any uh um <laughs> Well Mike, it's it's your it's your job now to move quickly through the check down. Here this whole time I thought I was gonna be able to get us not have to do this. Shoot, dude. Um, I, I, that was so dumb. I'm sorry. I saw something like that was like uh, this last week. Joe Rogan does marathon podcast with yeah. Edward Snowden, and I was Edward like, Snowden, it was like a four hour pod. No, no, it wasn't even that. It wasn't it like two hours and forty minutes. No, I just know that no. that there were people on Egress bitching last week. They're really gonna bitch this week. Okay, well let's let's move through it. All right, this is the segment where I ask my quick questions. Mike, 
You got to give me some quick answers. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. How many rushing yards will the Grizz average the rest of the year? Um, They're going to average 150 yards a game. Are the Grizz ranked too high in the polls? Eight. No, I don't think they are, honestly. I mean, they've played a tough schedule. What's their strength of schedule in the conference? Um, Brent knows that answer. Four. Fourth across the FCS. Oh, fourth in the entire FCS. Yeah. Okay. Edward Snowden was three hours. Three hour podcast. We're knocking on that door. Mike. (laughs) We're 20 minutes short. (laughs) When reading books to your kids, have you ever skipped a few pages to get over with it? No, because James notices. Oh my God. What? Pages. You've skipped so many pages. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> okay, I've just added a question to the check <laughs> to the BWR. Uh, <laughs> um, I have a niece and, and a nephew now, and I have definitely skipped some pages. <laughs> um, all right, Mike, with one year of physical training, coaching, drills, practice, could you be a holder at the FCS level? We're talking about eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. Yes. Ooh. Wow. You should ask Mitch Roberts this. Mike, if Bobby never leaves UM, is UM still a top contender in the conference? Or did he need to leave to evolve as a coach? Oh, that's a good question. Would we be still seeing like prototypical Bobby Ball, or do we see as much creativity? I don't. I mean, I don't think the slide would have happened. I think we'd continue to make the playoffs regularly, but I don't. I, I think that him leaving and diversifying himself, he's got different coaches now than he did last time. Even yeah. though some of those guys were available, like. I think that him leaving has made a better coach the second time around. Mm-hmm. Mike, silicon wedding bands, in or out? Uh, I believe they're in. For you, are they in or out? I am not wearing one, so uh, mine is not silicone. Mike, you and I are in a competition. Yes. We have to log 50 miles before Cat Grizz. Otherwise... We have to pay ten dollars for every mile per mile it. we're short to the Bobcat Athletic Department. What are the odds that you don't make the fifty miles? Zero. <laughs> I'm not gonna fucking pay the Bobcat Athletic Department money. How bad does Huck hate you right now? <laughs> I know you're walking. He you seems dog. to be enjoying it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's not like we didn't walk him before, but he's definitely getting out a little bit more. That's for sure. <laughs> I uh, I mowed the lawn yesterday. I don't know if you paid that close attention, but I mowed the lawn and then immediately grabbed Huck and took him on a walk. So I learned that my lawn is 1.1 miles to mow. What? Yeah. What do you own a farm? I, it's one point one. You guys have seen it. It's one point one miles to mow my lawn. Why don't you have a riding lawnmower at that distance? <laughs> God, that's a valid question. Do you have a seven hundred thousand dollar motorhome? <laughs> Why don't you have a riding lawnmower? <laughs> oh. Okay, like if 
If you had to lose one of your five senses, which one would you lose and why? Honestly, I think I would prefer to lose taste because my biggest vice in life is eating too much. Okay. I love good food. I love how it tastes. I go back for seconds when I shouldn't. I mean, I would hate it, but maybe it would maybe it would take care of some other problems of mine. <laughs> <laughs> that might be my choice too I mean, for the know, exact same reason. I don't know. Okay, Mike. Is Facebook a force of good or evil? I actually still think Facebook's a force of good. I think that society's expectations of Facebook are just out of line with what it ever should have been. I mean, it is what it is. Okay, Mike, if you could delete one site from existence, would you pick Facebook or eGrizz? <laughs> well, definitely eGrizz. Oh. oh, who hates? Wow. Who? who oh. I think we have a new heel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike. We're two hours, 43 minutes in. No one's listening. Isn't listening anymore. Most underrated extra feature in a home. Underrated. Underrated extra feature in a home. Most underrated extra feature in, my, in a home, in my opinion, is... Hot and cold water spigots in the garage. Oh. Wow. Didn't know that existed. Yeah. Okay, Mike, final question. What's the most overrated extra feature in a home? What should I skip to pay for? Like right now? Hmm. Jetted tub in the master bathroom. Oh, je- that jetted tub in the master bathroom is a good one. They are never used. And the interesting thing is most houses that have jetted tubs don't have a water tank big enough to fill it. And yet it's never really a problem. <laughs> what about like the boys, or you know, like the surround sound in the house? Is that ever used? Well, not anymore. Not anymore Bluetooth. because you can get the Bluetooth speakers and stuff. So, I mean, I, you know, I mean, you could argue you're going to get better quality if it's wired in, but that's probably one that I avoid. Brent, this just occurred to me. <laughs> Do you not have to have sprinklers installed in this house out here in the... Boondocks of Frenchtown. Okay, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Down Mullen Road, (laughs) city limits. No. Okay. Okay. Good. It's a good question. (laughs) Well, thanks, Mike. That was that was good. Quick answers. All right. (laughs) Boo 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 boo. All right. Let's wrap. uh, Let's wrap Brent up here so we can. uh... Mike, do you want do you want to start off the BWR? Yeah. So Brent, uh, Halloween's in a couple days. Yeah. So, top five <laughs> Halloween costumes for your kids. Um, Minion. Cardi B. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Maleficent. Um, Time out. Time out. I'm sorry. I know we're trying to get this under the Snowden podcast. <laughs> it's but not going to happen. son can speak Minion. Yeah, he can speak Minion. And... Yeah, he can talk minion and he can um he can talk Furby. That's amazing. Yeah. So um uh yeah, uh, Reese is going as Woody this year. So oh, we, cool. we got we got Woody down good. But uh Emmy, the older of the two, who opened that podcast, oh I don't know, three freaking hours ago. Um we're on our third year in a row of Star Wars stuff. So she did a Ray, but she did a she did a damn good Kylo Ren. So, so she's Ray. your favorite right now, huh? No. 
It's a tie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better answer than Mike gives. Woo! If you follow Brent on Twitter, you know that he's got an aff- affection for uh, Star Wars. Maybe, maybe. Okay, Brent. Was that it? Did you? Was that the We're conclusion? Done. Cool. The answer. Okay. James is really into Pokemon this year, but his costume was all sold out. There's a one particular Pokemon guy that all the kids in his school want to be. What do you want to be? I can't remember. Pikachu. Nope, not Pikachu. One of my Jigglypuff. Fa- one of my favorite. <laughs> it starts with a B, like a Browser, <laughs> Bruiser, or something like that. It's funny that that's still a relevant <laughs> Pokemon's been thing. Pokemon came out when I was in college. Exactly. Like so when I was when I was uh, drafting resident assistants, one of my favorite residents resident assistants. Like essentially performed as a character actor, Ash from Pokemon, and and analogized being an RA to being a Pokemon trainer as Ash, and it was hilarious at the time because Pokemon had jumped the shark in my you know (laughs) pop culture, but he was bringing it back as like twenty years ago, and he did it deadpan serious, and I thought it was so funny, and I was like, that's my guy, that dude's hilarious, and he was great, but. Apparently, it's still a thing. Huh. Who knew? Okay. All right. Team um, Brent. Yeah. Kanye West released an album in the last few days titled Jesus is King. Yeah. Have you listened to it? Once. Rank your top five Kanye albums. Um, Or just your top ones. What are your favorite ones? Well, number one's College Dropout. Um, Watch the Throne with Jay-Z was pretty damn good. I don't know. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on the Kanye vibe right now. So, um, this album was definitely not my style, but it's all good. Okay. Okay. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, he had a really funny interview where someone asked him if he's going to play his old songs. It might've been Zane Lowe who asked him and he said, do you go into the Apple store and ask for an iPod four? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if Kanye's music is comparable to iPods, but, um, but yeah. Uh, Kanye's older stuff, like the college dropout, that that that's definitely more my style of Kanye. But um, yeah, more power to the guy. I don't know, whatever. Brent, Mike, <laughs> Halloween's in a couple days. <laughs> <laughs> Top five Halloween costumes for your wife. <laughs> Pour yourself another whiskey, Brent. <laughs> Can you open that globe over there in the corner? It's got some uh, hide. Uh, it's got the good stuff hidden in it. Well, everything's naughty, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's up, that's up to you. You got like naughty nurse, naughty nun. Um, I don't know. It is amazing. They're all naughty. <laughs> Morning, I want to see schoolgirl. I don't know what else. Yeah. I just wanted to see your reaction to there these. You go. That's pretty good. Okay, okay. the reaction's the best. <laughs> Okay, speaking of which, whiskey. She was a cheerleader in oh, high school. Well, and has an amazing singing voice. Yeah, you guys got to hear her sing. She's doing some songs earlier, and I, I thought it was a recording. I thought it was like a like a professional singer. You were wrong. Shout out to Courtney. There you go. She's not listening by now. She doesn't listen at all, anyways. 
Um, Grant, she's one of the egrizzers that really complains about when we get past the two-hour mark. She's like, two hours, 50 minutes, the fuck? I have to drive to Bozeman tomorrow, so this will be perfect as long as you have it up in time. Oh, fuck, I got to upload it tonight. All right, Brent. You have quite a few uh, whiskeys around us. Indeed. Big selection. Yeah. I've seen no less than 13 bottles. <laughs> And your daughter snitched and said you have more elsewhere around the house. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he has to hide his whiskey habit. It's out in the open. So, Brent, what are your top five vintages that you go to? That I go to? Yeah. Or like... I mean, mean, there's an all-time top five, but... Just like, grab them. But I'm just saying, like, you know, we all can't have, like, the... uh, Yeah. What, what like Johnny Walker Blue on hand right, all right, the right, time? Right, right. What are your so top five that you go to? Like just go to when you need a solid, reliable whiskey for someone who isn't you know rolling uh, in the Ferrari. <laughs> uh, you know I I like Maker's Mark. I like Jim Beam Devil Devil's Cut. That's not too shabby. Uh, Knob Creek, Woodford Reserve, and. You know, uh, some Pendleton 1910 is not too bad either. What did I get you for your birthday? Didn't you give me Makers? You got me the Makers. I think Makers. Yeah, you got me a bottle of Makers. Pendleton 1910? How's that? What's the difference between that and regular Pendleton? It's rye. It's rye. I'm a rye whiskey kind of guy. It is, yes. Okay. Yeah. Canadian rye. Fair. Um... My wife just texted me and said, is everything okay? Are you dead? Um, we usually record this at my house, so my wife just, you know, now you know my doesn't wife. recognize now you know my that this just goes later and later My wife's later. Monday evenings, yeah. nightly. She's probably been asleep for an hour and a half and then rolled over and like, oh, Mike's not home yet. He's not home. <laughs> All right. Good. Um, I have no more PWR questions, <laughs> but I do have a question okay. when we're done here. Uh. Um, Brent, last one. You were not no. You were <laughs> Brent. You were in early on gender reveal parties. In fact, when the mics are off, no, I wasn't. And we're prepping. You're oftentimes looking through your phone at gender reveal parties when Mike and I are discussing <laughs> Grizz fan pod stuff. Uh, podcast like Grizz fan podcast listeners. If you have gender reveal stuff, just pass it along to Brent because he loves him. Yeah, love him. So Brent. Love him. What are your top gender reveals? Oh, I have an answer to this question. Did you guys see the Kirk Cousins uh, he almost gender missed. reveal where the he whole almost, point was to throw something at the target? target he almost no, missed but he it. almost missed the ball. <laughs> I didn't see that. Kirk Cousins had to like hit a target from like 10 feet away, and he hit like he barely clipped it. Just yeah, for his reveal, I do enjoy the gender reveals where, uh, like, the very worst one where, like, the wife like throws a pitch to the husband and they like take the pitch. They just watch it <laughs> and it hits the ground yeah, it's behind like, him. What are you What are you doing here? Like, you need to swing at that. But I think the ultimate worst one was that like case at Arizona where like a guy set up a gender reveal where it was like blowing up like a box and he started a fucking forest fire and caused like millions of dollars of damage. Because, you know, let's just do a gender reveal 
in like August in the desert. Like, let's go. And uh, yeah. So. I told you, he loves gender reveals. <laughs> Brent and I have a uh, good buddy DJ, he's a realtor, who um, did a gender reveal and they popped a balloon and the it confetti inside <laughs> was the color, but it was too close to his face. And so it like it burned his it, like, face. Burned it his stuck face. and burned. It, like, Not like permanent scar burned, but face. like. So it made it look like he was really pissed off that it was a girl. <laughs> but interestingly enough, that's not the most embarrassing moment DJ's had that's caught on film. Uh, he dropped his wife. He dropped his wife walking down the aisle after they got married. He picked, picked her, her up. up. Dad announces, introduce you, Mr. and Mrs. Picks oh, her up, no. takes a few steps. Trips over her veil. Boom. On the ground. <laughs> To their credit, they popped up and handled it like champs. They did. They submitted the video to America's Funniest Home Videos and got on air. They didn't win, but they made it on air. Oh, good. that's hilarious. And they, they owned it. Like, he would show it. Like, <laughs> we'd go to meetings for, like, the next year, and he'd show it. It's like, I couldn't handle it. I was sitting next to – I was between Brent on one side and Stacy, my wife, on the other side at the wedding. And I'm pretty sure when it happened, I said – Oh damn it! As loud as I could, and like slid down and was grabbing both Stacy's knee and Mike's <laughs> knee because I don't really handle public awkwardness when, well. When Mike gets nervous, he scratches his temple. Is like level one, but level two is shrinking and grabbing knees. <laughs> this was a this is a very religious wedding, and I don't think it was damn it that he yelled, but. It was, but I mean, it's like every. It was. <gasps> I mean, oh. it was like it was. It's. We still have video of it. Yeah, it's it's in the top but, most surreal moments of my life. But credit, I mean, like, yeah, they owned it. The the and they're a great couple. Oh, I, awesome I mean, like, I do and not I mean, like, think people yeah. could have owned it better. Like they. Oh just, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, great example of just rebounding from that. And, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we got a late submission on on the Twitter the for uh, yes. user questions, and it's a good one because I already mentioned him on this podcast. Kevin Van Valkenburg <laughs> tweeted at us, and he said, um, if you can name, tell him the number he wore as a, oh, let's God. get this right. Hellgate. Is it at Hellgate? Um, I got to put my mic down. He said, if you could tell me the number I wore for the Grizz as a redshirt freshman linebacker who made two career tackles, but one on homecoming, you've got to follow. I think he was number forty-five. For real? Uh huh. Why do you? What? Because I I've been putting together the spreadsheet. Oh, that's Boom. right. It's forty-five. Oh man, Google. forty-five. <laughs> we yeah, got. I've him. been putting together. We talked a couple weeks ago about a spreadsheet that details uh, where the Grizz recruits come, come from. from. It's going to be a fascinating off-season I'm, topic. I'm taking it to a couple different levels. I'm going way more in depth. It's been a fun project that I've been putting hours into, but you know, Van Valkenburg is obviously post Grizz famous, so I paid attention. Yeah. Absolutely, you recognize the name. Um, uh, we better tweet him back on the uh, Grizz fan account and, and let it. him know that he needs to listen until uh, two fifty seven <laughs> and oh nineteen seconds or so. Oh, Baratikun is going to be so mad at us. Um, <laughs> I think we better wrap this up before it gets to three. Yeah, let's go. What it. do you guys think? I'll save my last BWR for next week. Thank you. <laughs> Sounds good. Anything else you guys want to add? Nope. Go Grizz. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. I had so much fun. Thanks, Brandon. It's, it's always a Thanks great one. Thanks the host. It's always a great one. Hey, if, we, uh, <laughs> if we know you guys, we'll see you sooner. If not, we'll see you next week. Go Grizz. Fight on. Um,